Sunday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Folks, this week feels like we have a lot to get through. We have a lot to talk about. A lot happened in the last week of Ducks hockey. Feels like it's been more than a week, <laughs> the way it, the way this has gone. I mean, you also factor in that you and I have done a lot of podcasting. This is our third and, recording this week. This is yeah, we we we've done a watch along this week. So there's what three hours. We did a Patreon episode yesterday. There's another hour and a half. Yeah, we've already now, recorded five hours worth of yeah, content. Here we go. Here we go. So let, let's know, let's get another hour and a half to two hours in for the people because I mean, this feels like a big week for the Ducks because not only on the ice were they um were the games where they didn't win a game how do i want to word this they were, were they sucked um, were they uh, were they blew two three zero leads in a row how do i want to word this nicely they they had memorable not nope memorable performances isn't yeah, the way no, they go. were memorable <laughs> they were historic actually there we go i had a historic week with the way they performed especially for the arizona coyotes and then on top of that you have all the adam and reek stuff which granted we got into last week you had the fact that you have essentially potentially the next franchise player for the team debuting and getting just completely shafted in some ways by the coaching staff and in terms of in-game strategy. Just we're we're just going out hard right now, Felix. Coming out coming out of the gates hard with this one. And you now have trade rumors swirling. Yep. Thank you to the fourth period for that. Uh good synergy, good brand synergy going on here. That's what we love to see on the pod. Well, I'll just give you guys a little agenda. We're organized today, and by organized, for those on the Twitch chat, I have three Felix, notes on a Felix's note. notepad is back. Yeah, look at that. Little Remember little. when you when you had a notepad for every single podcast? Well, because we would do post games, yeah. and I would take notes throughout the game, because it turns out it's pretty hard to remember every single detail and then record right after. And I think it helped. I think it helped. You may disagree. You may laugh. You may bring me down, but that's okay. I'm still here. I'm still sitting. Uh, so yeah, what we're going to go over, we're going to talk about the three games that happened this week. We're going to try to kind of blaze through those, but I do think there are some meaningful takeaways from them. We're going to get into the whole Trevor Zegris just file because I think it's its own topic. Jake disagreed with me on that in the prep, but you know, it's fine. I did. I, I, I won I the argument. I did. <laughs> I was just saying lump in other stuff with it, but, but sure. Gaslighting sure. you. Um, and then, Typical. and <laughs> See, now that is a gaslight. Um, okay. And then we are going to talk about all the trade rumors that are swirling the ducks. Uh, I'm sorry to report that these trade rumors are not that exciting. Uh, Jake Vertanen doesn't get me excited. Maybe it gets you excited, Jake, but it doesn't get me excited. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Um, Danton Heinen being on the block. And then the bombshell report from none other than Dave Pagnota over at the fourth period today. Going to talk about that. So are you ready? Are you yep. ready to, to jump in to get dirty? Because there's going to be a lot to talk about, and we're not going to leave this with a clean a clean bill, I think. Some some hot takes are going to be spewed here. Anywho. Are they that hot? Really? <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be mild. I think at this point, judging by the replies I get on Twitter, people are just conditioned now. There There is a distaste for how this organization has been handling things yeah. the past few months, and I Tip think people are just all in now. Typically, when I get critical of the Ducks, I get pushed back by a lot of people from some from time to time. Yeah, there's, there's been, been yeah, exactly. Sorry, go ahead. There, there's been very little pushback from fans. Like I get people want to be positive and, and more more power to you if you if you are. But I just uh, 
I, I just basically don't, uh, or I haven't seen that in my mentions. And I think that's the most surprising team is everyone's just over it. Yeah. The, the only real pushback I've gotten this season has been when I insinuated in my, the fourth period article that Randy Carlisle was to blame for a lot of the ills that are occurring today. And people thought that was ridiculous. And I think the interpretation there was I was directly blaming him. It was more so the decision to hire him that has set this franchise back. Anyway, but yeah, people are just all in. And I, I appreciate that. It's nice to not be just completely destroyed every time you tweet something. Let's talk about the first game of this week, though. And this was an exciting game for the Ducks for one reason. And it's a big, valid reason. Trevor Zegras, after... The calamity that was last weekend with Adam Henrique being waived and the Ducks just not being able to, to find success on the ice um, and you know that lifeless loss that we saw last Saturday night, Trevor Zegras gets called up Sunday and makes his NHL debut on Monday night against Arizona. His parents, his family in attendance, a truly feel-good story in a pandemic season where, look, you, there's not always an opportunity to be at the game. Jake, what was just, I mean, just first off in that game, before we get through the nuts and bolts of it, I mean, it was Trevor Zegers' debut, and I think we need to spend a little time just talking about him here to start. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll get into kind of more of the the nitty-gritty frustrations, I think, with the game, and specifically Trevor Zegers' usage, and we'll get to that in a bit. But I think mm -hmm. if we're focusing on exactly kind of what he brought to, to the ice, I mean, in that first game, I think, you and I went back and both rewatched every shift from that game. And actually Eric Stevens had a really fantastic article where, where he basically chronicled every shift and what happened. And, and I think there was maybe one or two of them where, where nothing really happened, where he was a little bit invisible. But I think specifically in this game, the, the big positive, the big takeaway was that every time he was on ice, something happened, whether it was as in, he did something to, to create something for the team, whether that was get in on the four check, and use his really active stick because that was something I noticed more so than anything else was on the four check kind of, especially also in the defensive zone. He's really good with his stick, getting into passing links, getting his, uh, his puck on the stick or puck on stick and, and basically knocking it away from whoever has it when he's on the four check or defending. And, and that was something that I didn't fully expect from him. That was something that I've watched him in the AHL and it didn't really stick out from his game, but granted he does a whole lot. He, he was on the ice for a lot in the AHL and there was a lot that he was doing. So those little things can kind of pass by. Whereas in this game where it was a little bit more limited, um, he, he was doing a lot and whether it was that, whether it was getting in on the rush and feeding guys for chances, whether it was getting a chance for himself um, late in the game, whether it was, he, he just found himself in the right spots. And I think he really saw what he brings to this game. And I think, I mean, he got a lot of power play time and he showed kind of along that half wall. Just, I mean, I think you said it on our watch along, just how much more dangerous he makes the power play instantly. Like it, it, it's kind of crazy how much a 19 year old instantly improves this power play for the ducks. And that that's what happened in that game. And so I think if you, at least from that first game, want to have any takeaways, it's that, I mean, Trevor's egress is probably the most creative player on the ducks roster right now. And I don't know if that's necessarily that hyperbolic or too over the top or setting too high of standards. I think that that's pretty fair to state at this point in time that he is the most creative, maybe the best playmaker on the team. And I think that that's something to watch. And I, there's going to be growing pains. And when we get to the Vegas game, we'll probably talk about the, that a little bit more. But at least for this game, it was really, really, really great to see. Yeah, no, I I agree with all of that. I think you you really hit all the marks there. Uh, Trevor Zegras instantly came in and revitalized the power play. Um, I mean, Kevin Shattenkirk, who 
I think is one of the better spoken guys in the NHL in interviews uh, said as much uh, this week in an availability saying that they know like that he wants the puck and that they get it, that they need to get it to him because of how dangerous he is and that his vision, his ability to make passes is second to none. You know, this is a veteran NHL player who's been around the block, who's been on a bunch of teams, a bunch of good teams. I mean, saying he, that he played on Tampa a lot. He played on Tampa last year. He yeah. played with Nikita Kucherov. He played with some of the, the high end of high end players and to say his ability now, granted he's on the same team. So he's going to hype him up a little yeah. bit, but, but still, but still he, to he could have just him, not said it. <laughs> yes. To, to have that type of comment means a lot. And I think that just shows yeah. how impressive it is. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with that. Um, and he was fantastic in his first game. Uh, could have easily had, I think a couple of assists had two good scoring chances, one early on in the game and then one in the dying minutes. Um, but just to kind of go over the flow of that game a little bit, I know that for most people listening, you've already watched it, but we have some takeaways, of course, as per usual. Jakob Silverberg got on the board in the first period early on, and part of that actually was because of Trevor Zegras getting in on the forecheck mm-hmm. and pressuring uh, the Arizona Coyotes, and Silverberg was able to get on that puck and send it through the wickets of Darcy Kemper. Max Jones getting on the board. Uh, in let's call it very Max Jones fashion, uh, getting in front of the net and just getting his nose dirty. So the Ducks were actually leading two to zero coming out of the first period. And I remember tweeting this at the time because it felt true. Like, are the Ducks fun again? Yeah. There was this, the Ducks were pressuring offensively. Um, If you look at the numbers from that first period, at five on five, they're not that glowing, um, but they still controlled shot attempts. They still controlled scoring chances. And of course, they got a bunch of power plays. There was, uh, you know, a fracas that broke out in front of the net after the Jones goal. Uh, we had a great kind of meme worthy moment with Jones and Getzlaff both in the box. It, it, it felt familiar. It felt like kind of how the Anaheim Ducks of yesteryear, the mid teens, used to be like just effective and pugnacious to borrow a, a Burkeism. So that first period was good times to say yeah. the least, if you're a yep. Ducks fan. Yep. 100%. And they started off the second period. I mean, it was on a power play yet again, the, uh, and the Ducks scored to actually take a three, nothing lead. I believe Cam Fowler was the one. Yeah, I think it uh, may have been that the power play may have expired. It, had, it, was, just, it yeah. had just expired. It was on the tail end, but yeah, Fowler getting on the board. Um, and then after that, that is when things started getting kind of bizarre. That's when we saw Zegris getting benched for stretches. That's when we saw Dallas Akins. Well, we already saw it in the first period, but Dallas Akins swapping uh, Derek Grant onto the steel and Silverberg line in the place of Zegris because he doesn't trust Zegris at five on five. Um, and the Ducks just slowly burned the lead away. I mean, we don't have to go through every single goal, but they they would then give up three unanswered goals in the second period, which, you know, is not what you want to say the least and then would ultimately give up a power play goal uh you know the coyotes score a power play goal in the third and that would put it away and it was you know it, it was just one of those games where it felt like things flipped so dramatically and it also felt like it didn't need to be that way i mean never mind the fact that the zegris utilization was was questionable but also look the ducks scratched danton heinen in this game you know, Adam Henrique was not a part of the lineup. And of course, at that point, we were thinking maybe he's, you know, that trade is being worked out and, you know, that's going to end at some point. But the Ducks were still benching players that were scratching players that were good, that were useful to yeah. this team. 
And uh, I mean, it just kind of goes to show that maybe if you just, and, and we'll get more into this with the other games, but if you just play your better, your better players, yeah, you can avoid things like this. And, and that's kind of what I'm going to say. And also Dallas Aikens had the quote that he was essentially trying to protect Trevor's egress by not putting him out there for defensive zone shifts in his first game, different things like that. Yes. Where which if, which if, is 100% if, uh, incorrect selling it short. Yes. Uh, because he, he, like, like you, like, well, I guess you're about to say here. Yep. Yeah. I, w- I was just going to say that. I mean, if you go back and watch the tape in the second period, there were some shifts where Nick Delorier started in the, uh, uh, in the offensive zone with the line that Trevor in Trevor Zegers' spot. Same thing with Derek Grant in, in that spot on the, with on the fly shifts, they were, they were going out of their way to bench Trevor Zegers. And I mean, the same thing happened with honestly, Troy Terry and Max Jones. I mean, so if you look at ice time in this game at five on five, um, the only reason why Derek Grant and Nick Delorier are at the bottom is because Carter Rowney got hurt in this game. And if Carter Rowney does get hurt, then their ice time is probably a little bit higher. But um, basically in terms of ice time, here's the bottom of the barrel for the ducks. And at five on five is Carter Rowney at five forty six, Trevor Zegras at seven forty. And, and Carter Grant. Rowney got injured in this game. Yes. Yes. That and and then Derek Grant at seven forty five, Delorier at eight eleven. Like I said, they would have been higher if Carter Rowney had not gotten hurt because they didn't have a full line then. And and then yep. you have Troy Terry and Max Jones at 913 and 1021. And just kind of for the record, Troy Terry and Max Jones were two of the best ducks forwards. I mean, the three best ducks forward in their limited ice time in this game by expected goals for percentage, Troy, uh, Trevor Zegras, Troy, Troy Terry, Max Jones, who out of the top nine played the least amount of minutes, those three. Yep. So, I mean, yep. we, when you're up three, nothing, you bench your best guys. It just, it, it makes no sense. Well, it, it, I mean, I think part of it for Jones is he did get some power play time. And so maybe, I mean, but regardless, it, it, it kind of goes to show that those guys should have been playing more. Yes. Um, so, and, and, and to your point, Danton Heinen, Danton Heinen is one of the best ducks forward defensively. Yep. And so if you want a guy on the ice, if you're up three, nothing to, to keep that lead and keep it going, Danton Heinen is a player that you want out there. And yep. so the fact that the, that, Dallas Aikens actively made the roster worse by scratching him. I get you need to scratch someone for Trevor Zegers. Trevor Zegers doesn't come in unless someone gets scratched. But why is it Danton Heinen? Why is it not? Why Why are Nick Delorier, why are Carter Rowney, why are Derek Grant all bolted onto this lineup and not a guy who's actually good defensively like Danton Heinen? And yeah. That, do, we'll get, do, you we'll probably, re, do you want me to read you a quote after that game? Sure. Um, Let's see if I can pull it up. Go, go on about something here before before I bring this up to you. Um, no, it's just, it, it's baffling. The The usage is kind of baffling. I mean, we aren't going to talk too much about the, the defense right now, but I mean, Josh Mahura did play in this game. This was, uh, what was it? His second game of the season for the ducks. Mm-hmm. And um, he, this was not a game that he scored in, but he still looks uh, uh, solid in it. I mean, 40% expect goals first four percentage. So not the best there, but 52% Corsi four percentage. I mean, throughout the Arizona series, I thought Josh Mahura looked fine. And he looks like an NHLer. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He should be in this lineup every night, in my opinion. I, I know I got flack last night for saying he's better than than uh, all of Yanni Hockenpah, yeah. uh, Ben Hutton, and Jacob Larson because there are people that that think that or thought I was knocking Yanni Hockenpah, and it necessarily wasn't really well, a knock. Just on saying Hockenpah. one guy is better than the other doesn't actually have to be a knock. But I do want to bring you the quote. I have go the for quote. it. I vamp um, long enough for you. Yeah, you did. You did. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, this was uh, said after, I think, was it the first game? I think it was the first game of the week. It's okay to disagree with this opinion, 
but Dallas Aikens owns sole responsibility for that loss. He way overthought how to handle Zegras in his debut to both the player and the team's detriment. Just to let the players play. Now, just so you, maybe if you don't remember, the person who said this was you. Yep. You tweeted this. I, I, Do you I, stand by this? Yes, 100%. You still stand 100%. by this? 100%. And, it's probably and we'll, easier to stand by it after the last two well, games. We'll, we'll get into game two, but I, I think in both, of, I mean, God, in all three of these games, all, all three <laughs> of these games this past week, uh, the Ducks lost every single game by one goal. If after, Dallas after having Aiken, been up three in, in but one of, regardless, in two of them. Reg- regardless of that, they lost yes. every single game by one goal. If they have a better optimized lineup where they have their best defensive forward, Danton Heinen, in the lineup, and they're not actively playing bad players like Derek Grant and, and Nick Deloria, and this may be bold for some people, so here's your hot take. Derek Grant and Nick Deloria aren't NHLers right now. They're not. It, they, they should be in the AHL. They're both AHL players, taxi squad players. That's where I have them at. They're not good enough as of now. They honestly weren't good enough last year either. If you look at their numbers at five on five, they are below replacement level in terms of how good. Yeah, they are. but come on, Derek Grant scored like three shorthanded breakaway goals. Yeah. So my my point in saying kind of all of this is if the Ducks had a better lineup and just use their players better, they would have won maybe all three of these games. To be honest. Yeah. And, and now, granted, for the tank, fantastic fantastic that they've lost these but if you're someone that wants to watch the ducks actually progress push their players forward provide a winning environment for trevor zegras which is important you look at trevor zegras the way he talked after this game he was really kind of down about the well, loss. his 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 face on the bench too when he was in the second period of the first game when he was benched said a lot to me yeah Didn't i agreed agreed and so it, it it's just bizarre to me that the ducks are actively playing a worse lineup than they could and so, I mean, that was the fact this game. That's going to be the fact in the next game. That's going to be the fact in the Vegas game also. Every game they played this week, they iced a worse roster than they could have. Yep, and it's a lot of it. I mean, we we kind of went on about this in our Patreon pod, but it's they're stuck in these kind of – trying to fill these archetypes of players in that mm-hmm. if you're a fourth liner, that means you have to be a certain type of player, so on and so forth. Yep. Let's get any any final thoughts from game one of the week. I do want to point out, and you already alluded to it, I think Max Jones was fantastic in this yes. game, scored a big goal, was excellent at five on five. And I really think that he is making me look foolish. And yep. I'm, ha- I'm happy to report that. I Over the summer, over our eternal offseason, um, I was kind of not super high on his upside. And, you know, like, He's playing well right now, and he still probably doesn't project as a star, but he has been very effective in his role, and to the point where I think now I'm I'm looking pretty wrong on where I was at on him, he, and 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 that's good for the Ducks because yeah. to be honest, like you know Max Contois has scored a bunch of goals this year, but there's still some there's still some issues in his game that he's not a perfect player yet, and and with Troy Terry. I mean, we just don't know when he's going to get to the point where he produces. And Sam Steele, to well, spoil a little okay. bit, was put on the fourth line last night. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If Troy Terry ends up becoming a guy that plays, I don't know, on the third line mm-hmm. throughout the rest of his career, mm-hmm. maybe puts up 20 to 30 points, not not a huge amount, but but a decent production, and provides a, a, a boost for the lineup every single time he's out there. He, he gives you a solid, basically he's never stuck in his own zone. Basically what he did this game, 10 shot attempts for two against 0.53 expected goals for 0.03 against one goal for none against. I mean, you look I know at what you're going to ask me. 
seven chances for scoring chances for one against three is it four zero against for high danger i've seen the stats is that a bad thing if that's what trevor's <laughs> or sorry if that's what troy terry becomes okay okay i guess i misspoke i think troy terry is already an effective player in his own right yes but i think the ducks are holding him to this standard in a way the ducks are treating him like a first round pick because goal, like goals and assists seem to be the only thing that matters with Troy Terry. He can have the best five-on-five five game. He can set up his teammates. Like He'll have bad games. He's not this like all-world player. But yeah, the, the, the Ducks completely mismanaged the narrative on him, putting him on the first line as soon as he came into the league. Um, like They set the expectation way too high for a fourth, fifth-round pick. Um and I mean, that's part of the reason, but anyway, I, I have no issues with Troy Terry. And, yeah. And, and so yeah. that was kind of my point was, I, I think the issue is, I mean, Troy Terry signed at for the next three seasons at 1.45 mil. If you get a 20 point player that, that gives you solid on, on ice metrics is never stuck defending um, is always pushing the play towards the other zone. Even if he's not producing that can build momentum for your team and, and, and keep pushing towards the other team, wear down the other team in the process. I think that's valuable. And especially at 1.75, uh, sorry, 1.45, uh, that's really valuable for this team moving forward. And so that, that was all I wanted to say with Troy Terry was that kind of, cause we'll, yeah. we'll get no, into I, it with the next game is that I, I, I think he's a valuable player to this roster. As long as, I mean, it's the same, same thing with everyone. You just need to have your perspectives kind of in line correctly and not expect these players to be more than you think they are. And, and this ducks roster doesn't have elite first liners. And I think that's the struggle for a lot of fans is that they look at the lineup and they look at the roles they're being put into and expect them to produce at that, that spot. And when they don't, it's a disappointment, even though they're producing basically how they should, where they will be. And, and I, so I, I was going to make some joke about, Hey, don't disrespect so-and-so, but there's not even a guy that you can like <laughs> make that joke with the season. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to game two. Let's yep. move on to game two. I think we've, we've gone on enough about game one. So game two of the week, Rowney suffered an injury in game one and was placed on injured reserve, which uh, does not bode well for now. Um, you know, he's going to be out at least a week and or seven days. That's the minimum, I believe. And um, so the Ducks, you know, with a clear opportunity to maybe get Danton Heinen in the lineup or maybe bring back in Adam Henrique or, or do something interesting. So first off, Sonny Milano came off of IR before this game. So they got him back in the lineup. But then instead of getting, say, you know, like a Heinen or Henrique in there, Vinny Letary comes in the lineup. Troy Terry scratched. So that's Terry, Henrique, and Heinen all on the sidelines just so that good old Vinny Letary can get on in the lineup because he's so earned it. Um, and Sonny Milano in there. So the Ducks going to that game, rolling with Milano gets Lap Jones, Zegris steals Silverberg, Coltois Lindstrom, Raquel, Deloria Grant, and Letary. Uh, I mean, where where to even uh, explain so, that one to me? Okay, so real quick, want to want to throw these numbers out there. You and I both love Jay Fresh. He has a yep. Patreon that you and I that we one are one of the uh, very best follows on hockey Twitter. Yes, and we are subscribed to his Patreon. It's really useful, great tools. He has a war roster builder where I think he is it evolving wilds war. I think now it's uh, top down hockey. Patrick. Okay, Bacon. yeah, but yeah, so so he uses a war model and basically puts together what the projected uh, war, uh, wins above replacement is for a lineup. And so I just was curious as I was putting together my five takeaways for this series 
Um, Deloria Grant Rowney or Letary, Letary is I think is a zero, so it doesn't really make a difference. I think Deloria Grant Rowney has a projected war of negative 0.4. So essentially they are worse than replacement level players in terms of the entire line. I think the entire Ducks lineup that they played in that second game against the Coyotes had a total projected wins above replacement of 3.2. Part of it is that Trevor Zegras doesn't really have anything because of not having played yeah. in the NHL. But here's the, the real fun thing. If the Ducks just would have played guys that they had scratched around the taxi squad, whether it be Heinen, Henrik, Terry, or Heinen, Bacchus, Terry, they would have doubled their wins ab- projected wins above replacement. Yeah, I didn't even bring up Bacchus. <laughs> yeah, Heinen, Henrik, Terry have a projected war of 3.2, while Heinen, Bacchus, Terry have 3.7. Bacchus has really good defensive yeah. metrics. And so that that's kind of why he it, there's a boost between him and Henrik. And so you just look at the value left on uh, out of the lineup, and but it's just it's not insane. Even- Yes, it, it is insane, no doubt. But also, like, look at what they're choosing over them. If the guys that they were leaving in were, let's say, replacement-level players, <laughs> I mean, that'd be a crazy place to start. But let's well, say I these mean, guys were they, decent. They, they, they are basically replacement-level players. Negative well, okay. okay, let's say that they were above that, like yes. even a shade above that. Um, that would be something. But they're not, like, on the whole. So, baffling. Baffling yeah. is the only way I can put Abs- it. And, Ab- and this isn't even an analytics versus eye test thing. Like Grant made a horrific turnover in game one yeah. that yeah. cost the Ducks the game. Um, he The same thing happened throughout the week. Delorier hits people. That's about it. Doesn't even really fight these days. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's baffling. And then the fact that um, Letary comes in instead of Troy Terry, it's just like, what what's going on here? Why, why is Letary's this happening? an AHLer. Letary is an AHL and it's not as if he even fits the, the quote unquote grind profile. You look at his, the way he plays in the AHL. He he's a skilled guy in the AHL that puts up points. Yeah. Like it, it's not as if he's, he's, he's very different. Guy. Yeah. Like it's just, it's bizarre to me. And the fact that, I mean, like we said, Troy Terry had a really good game in game one and the yeah. fact that he gets scratched for that. It's just, it's bizarre world. Like, why are you, why are you uh, having this negative impact for players? And so, I mean, here's the logic. <laughs> here's the just to kind of give everyone because we should give both sides of the argument we obviously have our side of this that this is horrible awful everything like that here's the argument that i guarantee you the coaching staff would have had for this they wanted to get Sonny milano in the lineup he prior to getting hurt really played well in the couple games against the wild i think was was when he played and, and so they really wanted to get him in the lineup your options are on the wings are uh zegris who i don't think they want to take out at this point in time comtois jones silverberg raquel and Terry Terry's the odd man out. I think in that group because of Jones having scored last game. And I think he looked really good in that game, more noticeable, even though they both had good numbers, he was more noticeable, I think than Terry was. And I think that Dallas Akins has this mentality that the fourth line has to be a specific uh, build of players. And he thinks Vinny Terry fits that mold better than Troy Terry does, which is bizarre. Like that, that's just poor logic, but that that's where I guarantee you they were coming from with this decision. Yeah. And so now that we have that all set, let's get into the game. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's get into this game, shall we? So um, look, another really strong start for the ducks. Like this is one of those things where it could have gone much differently had better decisions been made, but Max Contois, look, he scores his eighth goal of the season and um, really nice play. And it was a just kind of a play where a, a, a smart play. He a rebound comes out to him, and he just slides. And he's facing away from the net and just slides it between his own skates. 
and into the back of the net. Um, just a nice skilled play on on that. Um, that would put the Ducks up one to nothing. And then after that, uh, in the second period, we thought we had seen Trevor Zegers' first NHL point. Um, he helped work the, the puck back to the point to Josh Mahura, who then makes a really nice play, Get to, can't really get his shot through in the first attempt, gets tripped up a bit, gets back up, and then gets another shot, then gets another shot through and into the net. That would make it two to nothing. So Josh Mahura, by the way, since his call-up, um, producing yeah. <laughs> something something that the Ducks really need wherever Second. they can wherever they can get it from. Second point in three games for him. Yep. And then to round out that second period. Um, Max Jones with a power play goal, just driving to the net, gets it through the pads of Darcy Kemper. And so the Ducks heading out of that second period were up three to nothing again. And look at the guys who are driving the bus. You got Max Contois, Josh Mahura, Max Jones. And on those goals, Max Contois had an assist on the Jones goal. Steele had an assist on the Mahura goal. And Zegris uh, you know, definitely played a key role in the Mahara goal. So the youth driving the bus, and that's a good thing to see. It's it's encouraging. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's how both of these starts felt. It felt like, wow, things are actually moving forward. There is a path forward here for this franchise that things are not so bleak. Yeah. Yeah, that completely agreed. And the issue that happens is kind of the third period rolls around. The Ducks have a three nothing lead. And they kind of sit back on it a little bit and they kind of get stuck defending a bunch and the coyotes end up getting two goals kind of uh, the first one kind of being a really good tip in front of the net. And I cannot fully remember off the top of my head uh, the second goal uh, by the coyotes, but there were two goals that came uh, from them to, to make it two nothing. And then Dallas Aikens kind of overthought it yet again. I mean, up until that point, he actually was playing Trevor Zegers a fair amount more at five on five than he was. He didn't seem like he was having him skip shifts in this game. Like he was in the previous one, but after uh, the game was tied at three, two, that kind of all went out the window and both Sonny Milano and Trevor Zegers were essentially benched at, at three to two. Nick Deloria was taking lines with Getzloff and Jones as compared to, to Sonny Milano. And I, I wanted to note this Sonny Milano in this game. Uh, let well, me just... also that the, the second Arizona goal was, kind of bad luck on the Ducks yes. end because yes. it was a it was a shot from the slot but that went in directly off the shin pads of Yanni Hockenpah. Yeah. And it oh, was just that's kind right. of that's bad right. luck. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. That was the one that went off Hockenpah. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh but Bench Milano who was on the ice hear this one shot on goal against when he was on the ice. Mm -hmm. And and, and yeah. so that that that's a guy that you bench for Nick Delorier, who's just constantly always getting uh, on the negative side of things. And so, I mean, expected goals for for Delorier were not not too great. Point one eight expected goals for point four seven expected goals against in this game. Milano point eight five four point two against. And so the the logic of benching Milano for Delorier is just baffling. And then they did the same thing for uh for Grant or taking out Zegras and uh, putting in Derek Grant on that line. And it's just kind of crazy like mm. it, it's just the the logic of it is, is bizarre to me and yeah i mean it ended up biting them in the butt also because i mean you have the the third goal was scored with Derek grant on the ice with stam steel and uh jacob silverberg and so it's just i mean essentially the exact strategy that that dallas Aikens was employing did not work like just did not the goal came against that line yep and then you know going into overtime Nothing coming there. And then in the shootout, we would see Trevor Zegers get his first career 
shootout goal, a really nice play cutting to the middle. I mean, it's it's a play that we've kind of seen him make in the AHL. Uh, just goes <laughs> goes top shelf pretty much effort, effortlessly with oh, a so flick nice. of the wrists. So nice. And you could see the, his reaction, just so excited. I mean, I know that he's not like this physical player and he's not out there hitting guys, but Trevor Zegras really cares. Like he brings a lot of passion to the game. Yeah. He, you can tell just the excitement he brings to, in his interviews, um, just his reactions when things go well. Like he is a, he, even though he doesn't fit, I think how a lot of hockey people would see it. Um, he is a heart and soul player to me because of how much joy he brings to the game, how much energy yeah. he brings to it. Like 100%. we, we kind of under, underrate the fact that this is these guys' jobs, right? It's their day to day. It's their nine to five. And he's that guy who comes into the office and has a smile on his face and makes it fun whenever you yeah. talk to him. Right. And that's what yep. I see in Trevor Zegras, both on and off the ice. Definitely. Definitely. And so I, I think kind of, circling back to the, the full series uh, uh, for this full two game series for the ducks. I think there are a lot of positive takeaways. Yeah, Obviously Max Jones the, is good. Max Jones had a great, I mean, Sonny Milano looked really like really good, looked good, had That's good okay. numbers. Okay. Uh, had good numbers. I, I think there, you can t- have a lot of pot of positive takeaways with Trevor Zegras. Um, and so there are positives to be taken away. The ducks. These two look- games were really good for Trevor Zegras. Yes, and, and I think that the Ducks did well at five on five. If if they just, I mean, if Dallas Aiken just would have basically not overthought these just games, kept like, playing the same lines, that, that had the gotten same him the three zero lead. Exactly. Like the like, sure, they may allow two goals, and, and I'm not saying that blowing a three nothing lead is all on Dallas Aikens, but I think one of those three goals is definitely on him in, in each game, and I think that that's the difference between yeah. winning and losing in this league. And he did not optimize the lineup. He did not. Uh, play the guys in, in the necessarily the best way possible, and the Ducks suffered as a result. And so I, I think we go out of our way to talk about a lot of different things, and I think we've we've given Dallas Aikens the benefit of the doubt. And but the, there's just so many noticeable, um, noticeable things that he's done in these those two games in Arizona that made the team worse. And yeah. I, I think that it's important to to make note of that and that to to hold a coach accountable for that also. Yeah, hold it, when that to the when, Exactly. Like when, for instance, we're going to get like Derek Grant was not good in this series. No doubt. He granted hasn't been good a lot. And we, we hold hasn't him accountable been good this season. No. And it had an awful turnover in that first game. I think it was the fourth goal, but just looked really bad on top of just overall his performance, never being that great. And, and so we hold players feet to the fire when they're not as good yeah. as they probably should be. And Everyone we got to win accountable as yep. it turns out. Like, like I, there's this there's this podcast I listen to in the NBA, the Dunked On podcast, Nate Duncan, and you know he has this this philosophy which I hundred percent agree with is why is it not kosher to call out a player a coach's decision like you would call out a, a, a player's play or, or a, a player's decision making on the ice like why are why are, why is it kind of like faux pas to to say that a coach you know was at fault in a game was the reason that they lost we say that about players people say that about players all the time. And, but for whatever reason, coaches have this kind of double standard. Um, and I think that the same thing is true in the NHL for sure. Let's talk about yesterday's game. Shall we? Uh, um, do we want to talk about that or get a word from our sponsor? Well, do you want to blaze through this game and then do that? It's up to you. Sure. Let's do that. Let's go oh. your route. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's talk about this game. Um, Ducks played the Vegas Golden Knights Saturday night. Couple of lineup changes, which uh, 
you know, left some questions to be answered. So, of course, Carter Rowney, I think Carter Rowney wasn't actually placed on IR until Friday, if I'm remembering, Thursday or Friday. Could Potentially, be but but they can do retro. They, I guarantee you it was retroactive. Well, the point is, you know, we weren't 100% sure about his bill of health, and then it seemed pretty apparent he was going to be out for a while after that, um, after the second game of the week. And then we would see a familiar face who we thought was done in Anaheim, Adam Henrique. Fourth line center, Adam Henrique, put between Derek Grant and Nick Delorier. Um, some kind of confusing roster tweaks as well. Contois put on a line with Getzloff and Jones and Milano with Lundestrom and Raquel, even though Contois, Lundestrom and Raquel, I mean, they were just talking about it on Friday in their availabilities, how good of a line they've been. Contois was talking about how good Lundestrom and Raquel have been. And then, of course, I mean, this is the big one, Hampus Lindholm activated from IR. And you could kind of read it between the tea leaves on Friday with Aikens talking about how much how much he loves Yanni Hockenpah as a person and, and his play on the ice and how solid Hutton and Larson have been together. So you could kind of figure out that if Lindholm was coming back in, there wasn't really any more place for Mahura on this lineup. Sure enough, we see the Lions pregame, Mahura out. And um, I don't know when he's going to come back, to be honest with you, now that everybody's healthy there. Yep. Which is an off, which is once again just awful decision yes. making. And, and so, I mean, a couple of things to note here: Troy Terry scratched for the second game in a row. Danton yep. Heinen scratched for the third, at least third game in a row. I mean, scratched yep. for the the for every game this week. Yep. And we'll get into this a little later, but you know, a lot of trade rumors circling around Danton Heinen well, going into that game. Uh, and so, just a very kind of cobbled together lineup. Let, let me like. just kind of. Put it like this for everyone with uh, Josh Mahura being scratched and just how kind of baffling it is. The Ducks really struggle to generate offense from the the defense. And I mean, I don't love necessarily just talking about pure points, but I mean, the Ducks struggle to score like and looking at points as a way to to understand who has kind of contributed to scoring. Josh Mahura has two points in three games like the. Kevin Shattenkirk is the the, fine defensively as well. Like it's not at the expense of his defensive game. Kevin Shattenkirk, who I think has been solid has five points in 21 games though. Hampus Lindholm, six points in 18 games. Cam Fowler has the most points with 10 and 20, uh, 10 uh, points in 21 games. So you're scratching a guy that is basically the best point per game average out of the entire roster. Let me ask you this Who gets paid what in this scenario? Fair, fair point. What are the contracts? Fair point. Fair point. But it's just bizarre to me that it's like... This is the team that also will talk to everybody about accountability and earning it and earning your way. And I feel like Josh Mahura has done that, right? Yeah, 100%. And so I'm curious right now, I'm looking up his expected goals for uh per 60 let me see he may not be on here because he may not have big enough sample size uh yeah he doesn't have enough time on ice for evolving hockey let me see if i can bring that down to get him in here but it's it's just kind of an insane logic to to not play him because you like what does yanni hawk and paw or ben hutton or jack of larson bring to the table over him yeah like uh, gen- well, genuinely well like, the ducks what- would the ducks would say that Yanni Hockenpah is a great defensive defenseman and he closes gaps and he's even been run- joining the rush lately and that he's so good at, at killing off plays. Like that's what they actually say about him. Um, with Jacob Larson, 
I never really hear any specifics on Larson. I just hear that he's been good. That's all you ever hear from Dallas. You yeah. never hear what yeah. he actually does well. Um, anyway, so, sorry. Every time I talk about Jacob Larson, I get a little, I get a little angry. Yeah. So, so let, let, let's get into the game though now, because I, I we we've talked about the lineup yeah. decisions, baffling beyond all belief. But Adam Henrique draws back in on the fourth yeah. line, and which, Adam which, Henrique almost won them this game, which is a good decision because we've talked about this. We talked about this last week. Adam and Reek should be moved. I, I think there's no doubt about that. If you can get something in return for him, I think it's as that well, also smart. because the environment surrounding him has just become so let's call it detrimental. Yes. Yes. And so I think that he should be moved. He should have been moved before the environment being detrimental when his value is good, but I think he should be moved value de- de- or the, the environment's detrimental. You have the fact that his contract's bad. If you can move him and get, even if you're retaining it, it may be beneficial long-term for you to do that, to be able to get the contract off the books. But in terms of purely looking at lineup construction and and evaluating the roster as is playing a lineup or playing Adam Henrique instantly improves your lineup. I mean, this was the guy who led the ducks in points last year. Like, like, I mean, let's get into it a little bit. Like the, the first period, I thought that the ducks were the first five minutes, especially, I don't know if, if you picked up on this, but like, they were losing every puck battle. Yeah. The, the, the mm-hmm. Golden Knights were having their way in the defensive zone, the Ducks' yep. defensive zone. It felt like one of those games that they usually play in Vegas where yeah. they're just getting blown out of the building. Um, and some way, somehow, it it actually didn't cost the Ducks halfway through the first period. Their game started picking up, and Ricard Raquel scores his first goal in 15 games, his second goal of the season. And the smile on his face, the smile on his face after the goal, on the bench, the smile of his teammates, that was worth a million bucks because you could just see the relief. You could see the weight just coming off his shoulders. And it was a feel-good moment in what has been a pretty crappy season. Yes, yes, 100%. That was the second goal of the game, right? That was the game-tying goal. That was the first goal of the night. Adam Henrique's goal? No, I'm talking oh, about no, sorry, Ricardo Cal. Sorry, I was reading the chat. I got space okay. for a second reading the chat. Sorry, yes, yes. And, and that was a goal where basically Ricardo Cal, I mean, uh, he's been playing really well this year. Uh, he's, yeah, I mean, if you, he's if you been look one at, of their best players, I mean, this is where we're looking at, at the numbers that we look at is so important because you can get an idea for how a player is playing by, by looking at them and understanding, yes, he doesn't have the goals, but the goals will come. Hockey is such a high variance sport that you may not score right now, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be scoring in the future. If you continue what you do. And I mean, so far this year, He's shooting even with that goal last night, three percent. That's that's just not sustainable. Like he's gonna find the back of the net more, especially if he's getting looks like he's and getting. He gets he's shooting, a lot of pucks on net. Yeah, he's shooting the puck a lot, and I think he's shooting the puck more this year than he has the last couple of years. Uh, sixty-five shots on goal in twenty-one games compared to one eighty-six and sixty-five uh, last year, and so he's he's been a volume shooter this year, and it, it it's nice to see it go in. And I think now that one has gone in with a really nice shot, I, I think that you're going to see more go in. I mean, there is definitely something to it with confidence. And, and that's partially why you you see once one goes in, a yeah. bunch goes in, because a guy kind of sees it go in and it helps out a bunch and it helps putting the puck in the right spot. You're not uh, clutching your stick too hard. But that's part of what goes into these shooting percentage. We say it's not sustainable because once one goes in, they're all going to go in because you're getting a whole bunch of good looks. And, well, and- Aikens also talked about how, Raquel like after the game about how much Ricard Raquel takes it personally when he's not doing well and you know I think that like that could be true and and that could go into it 
but it's also odd that he's just so willing to say that so openly. I mean, he talked about how Raquel was really holding on to the weight of the last 15, 20 games, but he's like, well, why don't you also, if you're going to stay in the past, why don't you also think about the 30 plus goal seasons you had? And like, that's fine. But is that Ake is just wanting to let everybody know that he's some guru and that like, look how good I am at self-help anyway. That's a bit of a tangent. I feel, and I feel like if you're Eakin, like what you should do is say, Hey, here's what you're doing. Well, continue doing this and the puck's going to go in. Yeah. Like it, it like, that's what and, you want to hear a coach. And say the years where the years where Raquel had 30 plus, he did overshoot a bit. He, yeah. He, he was a bit, he was hot and like, that'll happen. Like that's yeah. what like careers are sometimes marked by seasons like that. And that's fine. But I do think that for Raquel, it kind of skewed expectations of what he could be. Now, the second goal of the night, the Golden Knights would tie it up late in the first period. And this is a goal where maybe you can make the argument that we saw some of the rookie effect on Trevor Zegris because he got caught down low. He wasn't caught, but he he was trying to pressure the puck down low. Puck comes back out to the point to Shea Theodore. And, you know, Zegris is just, isn't even looking to fill the lane, uh, the cross-ice lane. Now, Ricard Raquel was also there. Sam Steele was also there. They all had opportunities to get out there and make a defensive play. But Segris, this is a bit of a missed assignment by him. And yeah. to his credit, got back into the lane. Like, he, he didn't just give up on the play, but it gave Alex Petrangelo, a very good offensive defenseman, time and space to get a shot off and beat John Gibson. I do think John Gibson you know, kind of didn't play that awesomely, went down um, maybe a little unnecessarily. He was being screened by Will Carrier. But the point is, um, you can't totally blame a goalie on a cross-ice feed like that, especially from that distance. And this was a one where I think Zegris showed a little bit of his, uh, of that rawness in his, in his defensive game, at least. Yeah. And I think, I mean, do you just want to, let's just briefly talk about Zegris's game in this one because this people was going to want to hear that this, this was, was his quietest first, game this was his reality check game i think yeah and so um i think part of that though is uh vegas is just a very good team and i think they had a very good strategy on him i mean the broadcast actually mentioned it a couple times that pete DeBoer's son played with trevor's egress last year and bought at uh at bu they had the inside scoop on how and, to stop and him. so they mentioned basically just pressure him on the power play don't give him the time and space and that shows the level of respect that they have that that was the strategy anytime we got you the could puck, see it on yeah. the ice and anytime he had the puck they were really tight on him and so this this was a game for trevor's egress that he's gonna want to watch the tape on to see how to get away from it how, how to, to beat, how to beat that yeah because i mean th this is all part of the learning process i mean he's not gonna have every game be like the arizona game we we talked about it last weekend i mean granted he doesn't have a point yet but you and i both kind of set the expectation of maybe a half point per game 20 points this season something like I that mean, he, he could easily have like two to three points by now yes and, and so the this season's gonna be a learning curve for him and he's gonna he's gonna have some teams that he's better against than others because other teams are gonna key in on him more yeah. and have guys that can defend him better and, and that was vegas and and that's yeah. gonna happen vegas has done that to so many players and so overall, a, a, a quiet game. I think he was not done any favors by his uh, having Sam Steele as his center in the first two periods of this game because Sam Steele, especially in that second period, had a couple of times where Trevor Zegras set him up for some looks and he did nothing with it. Just went through his skates, bobbled the puck, the, the three-on-one that he just did nothing with. it. There were just some really awful plays by Sam Steele, especially in that second period. Yeah, no, I, I think that you're you're hitting it on the, the head there. And, you know, I mean, just to kind of quickly fly through the recap here a bit, 
the Golden Knights would then take the lead. William Carlson with a highlight real goal. I mean, he had three ducks on his back, uh, catching the ducks and a change. Uh, scores a diving forehanded shot. And, you know, after the game, you got we got a comment about yeah. William Carlson. Was it Shea Theodore William Carlson? Yes, saying that him and Shea Theodore talk about talk about it before every game against the Ducks that these guys didn't want us. Like these guys thought that they could essentially live without us. So let's take it to them. And uh, <laughs> that's what they did tonight. I mean, or last night, Shea Theodore with the assist on Petrangelo. Carlson with that goal. But then in the third period, another feel-good moment. Uh, yep. Ad- Adam Henrique. Adam Henrique, after being cast off, after being given the middle finger by the franchise, after being put on waivers, after being embarrassed. After for, being put on the taxi squad. Yeah, for and for not for nothing. I mean, I understand he hadn't produced, but he was fine. Wasn't great. Wasn't one of the killing be- it. Well, one of the best sex forwards. Yeah. Like was was not the problem on this team by any stretch of the imagination. Yep. yep. And was I mean, was just cast aside after having scratched earlier in the season for absolutely nothing. And then the Ducks couldn't get anything going. They had an injury this week. The things didn't go the way they thought that that they would. And they had to put him back in the lineup. He scores a big goal. I mean, it was a goal to tie the game. And you know, driving to the net. He had drawn a penalty earlier in the game to cover up for another horrendous Derek Grant penalty. So he had just had a beast of a night. I thought that, you know, with that goal, seeing the celebration, seeing the smile on his face, seeing his teammates pulling for him, because let's face it, the guys in that room probably don't share the opinion of the franchise. Um, That was another feel-good moment because, and it was a little controversial, Ricard Raquel with the high stick. um, They didn't call the goal back and just, just one of those moments where sports can be uplifting. Of yep. course, it had to be uplifting because of just awful decision-making and mismanagement by the Ducks. <laughs> but nevertheless, a feel-good moment. Yeah, yeah. 100% a feel-good moment. And Adam Henrique, I mean, prior to this, actually had gotten put on the the Zegras and Silverberg line. And instantly, that line saw a boost after Sam Steele was yep. uh, put on the, the Derek Grant well, after, after line. After Sam Steele completely bungled the two-on-one or like a three-on-two with a great opportunity. Uh, so that was a smart move by Talis Akins. Yeah, 100%. And so I think there is a positive there that he at least recognized something. Adam Henrique's numbers at five on five were not great in this game, but I think a large part of that is due to playing with Grant and Delorier, who are just kind of black holes uh, for this Ducks roster at this point in time. And when once the, he got moved to the line with uh, Jacob Silverberg and, and uh, Trevor Zegers, there was a noticeable improvement. I mean, that line was on the ice for three shot attempts for one against... Uh, 0.084 expected goals for only zero against or none against. So, I mean, once that decision was made to switch it up, it was a, a it was a smart decision. And Adam Henrique, granted, it was, I think, mid shift or something like that because Ricard Raquel was on the ice with them. Um, he got the benefit of it and found the back of the net. And I mean, here's the thing. The the narrative, the, the quote unquote narrative that, that's going to be behind that goal is Adam Henrique. Uh, took the got the people, message. And, people are and, already saying that on Twitter, and, and we got the message, and, and and was playing harder. Got to the front of the net, scored a, a goal in front of the net. The the real hardworking area to go. I mean, in reality, Adam Enrique was getting those same chances. He he was doing all right. He was doing fine. Maybe he wasn't producing the way you were you wanted to, but it it, it was seventeen games. Like realize that the NHL season is a small sample. Like. 
it's such a high variance sport that you're going to go in waves. I, I mean, think, I think teams may be dumber this season because like the teams like the Ducks who haven't played in a year, maybe. they're putting so much weight on, on a, such a tiny sample like, because it's the only thing they've played in a year. I don't know. Like Still in reality, this we are like what a quarter of the way through a normal season. Like the, like the, the the common like the laws of physics haven't changed in a year. No, like like like, like you know regression is still a thing. Yeah, and and I mean typically even for advanced metrics, we want to get twenty games before we can really make judgments on players as a whole. And, and so yeah, that's something where you where you get a large amount of sample size because it's based on shots, and there's a significant amount of shots that are mm-hmm. happening. Goals. Goals do not happen that often. You need a full season to really be able to draw any conclusions on goals. And so the fact that they're that that they're trying to push this narrative is just it's baffling because it's untrue. And, yeah. and I think what's frustrating for me is that it, it's going to be eaten up by some people uh, that follow the team, and it's just false. And, well, and I well, hate today to, or last night. Aikens was talking about how you know going through the adversity. Those are the times where they suck sure. while you're going through it. But when you look back you'll be thankful for them. And it's no. like, you know, none of this had to happen. Like this yeah. is just, this is like fake so, adversity. So I, let me just say this. There is adversity now. And I think that that, is, that does yeah, suck he, for Henrique. In he reference to the Henrique situation. Yes, but bad. but I think in reference to Henrique, did the adversity make a difference? No. No. He was playing this yeah. way previously. He was playing this way previously. He oh, was he one of the best ducks. He was one of the best ducks forward. Same thing with Danton Heinen, who has been scratched. Like it, it's just baffling. I, I think kind of rounding out this game i guess let's just kind of say this i think the ducks played solid enough to to get a point out of this This was game. probably their best game of, of the week i think as an as a 60 minute effort and shockingly enough it's when you were playing better players that it happens not yeah. that shocking like not Although, that shocking trevor zegris i mean it was another one of those nights and we'll get into this more on the other side of the break but didn't play a whole lot um and then the Ducks would go on to lose in overtime. A bit of a missed assignment by Sonny Milano. William Carlson, all alone, tucks it away. And the Vegas Golden Knights, once again, having the better of the Anaheim Ducks. So my just kind of quick takeaways here before we go into our break, I think that Max Jones had another excellent yes. night. I mean, he continuing his streak of just no matter the opponent, it seems, he's just going to put up great results. I mean, he had a let's see here 60.53 percent shot attempt share percentage 23 shot attempts for 15 against with him on the ice and from an expect like from a shot quality perspective 76.65 expected goals for percentage like he is just making things that happen out there you saw it in his post game uh, availability against the, the in the second coyotes game like the guy cares he plays like it the results the, the results bear it out um, he's become one of my favorite players to watch on this team. Yeah. Um, and then from a defense perspective, Hampus Lindholm was back. I thought he had kind of one of his worst games. You could tell he, he did was not a bit play rusty. well. He did not play well. Cam Fowler, on the other hand, had one of his best games uh, this season. Um, he looks really good. Was on the ice for two, uh, two goals for one against had one, one point, really good scoring chance. 1.32 expected goals for only 0.2 against. Um, I believe he was on the ice though for the the Vegas uh, game winning goal in overtime. We haven't really talked about that from William Carlson. Yeah, who scored well, scored in overtime uh, on a breakaway. Yes, yes. Um, Sonny Milano with a bit of a missed assignment there, but yeah. So I think overall, um, I think Isaac Lindstrom had some okay moments. Um, did miss another glorious opportunity in overtime, and you know every time it's because the goalie made a great save, but. Uh, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm too skeptical. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe I'm, I'm being too hard on him, but I do think that there is a pattern of him getting robbed. Like there's always an opportunity I, for, for a goalie to make a great save. He's shooting 9% right now. Yeah. Like it's, it's not purely bad luck. Like he's, I, like, I don't know. He's the, just not the, a finisher. The, the difference between him and Raquel is that Raquel's shooting 3% right now, whereas Lundestrom's shooting nine. Yeah. And so but he did it, have some good moments like that, like the, that line with Lundestrom and um, gosh, with, and Raquel and who did they swap there? Why, why am I blanking on this? Anyway, that line <laughs> that shall not be named had a really good, I think it was with, with Contois. Did they put them back together? Anyway, had a really good late game shift. Um, Contois or Lundestrom doing a good job of protecting the puck down low. I thought Sonny Milano, like he had, he had good results in this game. Like the numbers look fine, but I didn't notice him a ton. Um, so yeah. Oh, and I thought Jacob Larson was just atrocious in that game. Yeah. And Derek Grant, May have had his worst game. Like may have actually had his worst game as a duck ever. Like it's it's actually possible. Uh, five shot attempt shot five shot attempts four with him on the ice. Eighteen against. Um, I mean, from an expected like a shot quality perspective, you know, we talked about how great it was that Jones got seventy six percent. Derek Grant sixteen percent. He was on the ice for almost the same number of expected goals against that Jones had expected goals for. 0.9 to Jones's 0.994. Like he is just like you said a black, a black hole, hole defensively. It's mm-hmm. it's actually impressive and Delorier was not much better either. Um now maybe Akins is learning something, uh who knows, but Derek Grant did have the third least um 5 on 5 ice time in this game, so maybe that's a step forward. I also think getting Sam Steele off of that third line um or off of that line, whatever stature it has in the, in the lineup uh, with Silverbrig and Zegras to step forward. Maybe the Ducks are just trying to pump up Henrik's trade value. Who knows? But regardless, it was the right decision. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So I think it's time for us to have a little word from our sponsor. Yes. So the curators at Bespoke Post have done it again this winter with an all new lineup of essential box of awesome collections for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. Um, whether it's showcase pieces to level up uh, your indoor hosting skills or cozy threads for those blustery days, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month, no matter what you're into. Uh, box of awesome has you covered from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, outdoor gear, uh, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. So, Felix, let me ask you, what's your favorite kind of item that you've gotten from uh, Bespoke Post yet? Because uh, they hooked us up a little bit here and gave us uh, three different things to each of us. Uh, so, what's your favorite little little piece of information that, or little piece of uh, uh, or little thing that you've get gotten from them? Because they they send out some really cool little things for every uh, for you. Yeah, no, they've they've sent me some pretty awesome items. So I got a weekend travel bag, which I did not ask for. I believe you got as well. I did. Um, and I use that. I use that for my little weekend trip uh, for my birthday down yeah, to a little Airbnb yeah. in San Clemente. And it's a very, like, it's a tough bag. Like the, the material there is definitely meant to last. It's got leather clips um, or leather ties and it's got really like strong clips. It's just a bag that I could see lasting a long time, which is important if you're traveling a lot. Also, they put snacks in it. Got to yeah. 
got a nice nutrition bar out of it, which nothing wrong with that. So some nice little, uh, I forget what they're called, but essentially hangover cure type drinks. Yes. Uh, That, which, you know, I mean, for those who drink, I think is important. Um, but I also got wireless earbuds, T O L V earbuds, and they are awesome. I use them when I work out. Um, that way I don't have to, um, you know, worry about getting tangled up with wires and, and doing all that, 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 that stone age type technology. Don't have to worry about it at all. They work great. Um, especially if you're active or even if you're just hanging out inside and you're doing chores, uh, I think that they're awesome. Getting, getting my earbuds in is for me a lifesaver when I'm trying to get stuff done. It makes things just a little easier, a little less monotonous. I also got an awesome Bluetooth speaker, which has allowed me to go away from my kind of tangly, messy, uh, wired mess uh, of my speakers. So yeah, like Bespoke Post has made my life better. Yeah, There's just and, no other way to say it. And I've gotten, uh, so I got that same travel bag. I got a survival knife and I got a nice little soup bag. And so the travel bag for anyone wondering is the, the weekender bag. Notice and the it, disparity, by the way. It, it's, it's a, the weekender bag is actually really, really nice. Um, it, it's kind of the perfect little bag for, for a weekend trip, which is obviously where the name comes from. You can fit everything in it, but kind of looking at some of the other stuff, if I could get something more, maybe I'll, I'll just order this myself. Why not? They have a cocktail smoking kit, which wow. I don't know, Felix, have you ever had a smoked cocktail? Oh, I thought you meant something completely different. Okay. I thought, okay. Uh, <laughs> I have never had a smoked cocktail, but I'm not really, a, I'm not really a cocktail guy. Well, you drink whiskey every once in a while, right? Yeah. Every once in a while, but so, I, I, I drink my whiskey on the rocks. So, so picture if you got like an old fashioned or something like that. And essentially it was smoke infused. So it kind of really brings Sounds out delicious. the smoke smokiness of the whiskey. It's absolutely fantastic. I cannot recommend it enough. And so they have this smoked cocktail kit that for you to basically, uh, it's some hickory branch. It looks like a little, uh, little glass that you put over the, the drink and the, the hickory and you kind of light it on fire and get it all nice and smoked. And the smoke kind of infuses with the drink. So yeah. that that's one of the things, those types of things all over the place type of really cool, fun things from bespoke post yeah. to get started. Take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. So you can get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code CTP at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code CTP for 20% off your first box. So thank you so much, Bespoke Post. Bit of a different vibe in this week's sponsor. Just a little different. A little I don't different. know what it is. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. I just can't for some reason. It's, it's above the waist. I can't figure it out. Um, but yeah, looking at Bespoke Post, though, I just want to, like, we're not even doing the break anymore. But seriously, in the time that we live in, we're being at home all the time. Things can get monotonous, and they just give you ways to liven things up a bit. If you like variety, I highly recommend it. Okay, that's it. I, I swear I'm done. <laughs> Let's get into, I think, what Ducks Twitter, what Ducks fans have really been angry about this week and i think it's legitimate i think it is a very legitimate gripe yep. for a couple of reasons first off we noticed it so of course we must be right but also look even Obviously. eric stevens who to me is one of the best in the business one of the very best hockey writers around who's absolutely fair um every step of the way 
definitely more than I am and we are. I think like he does, I think, try to look at both sides more. Um, And like there is value to that. Even he tweeted about this tonight or actually put this out in the real time feature of the athletic app. The way that the Ducks have been using Trevor Zegras, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like they basically, why did they call him up? If the only times that they're going to put him out are in absolutely advantageous situations that are not late in periods or that are on the power play, like he's not going to develop this way. He's not really going to learn much. And in the last game, it was even more apparent. So what is the point of all of this? Um, This is like, I, I texted this to you last night, and it was after the game. Maybe the emotions were running a little high. Yeah. But this feels like a waste of time for Trevor Zegras. That's yep. just what it feels like right no, now. No, it's fair. I, I think that maybe in the moment, because of just me, me, me being frustrated, I don't know. I, I didn't agree, but yes, you, I think you're right. I think you're you're spot on. What like What's the benefit of him being with the Ducks? I mean... I think maybe the benefit that you could say is he he's learning he's how to play. <laughs> well, he's learning to play against a team like Vegas who are going to shut him down and he can use that kind of for his learning experience moving on. But I mean, realistically, the Ducks are the worst team in the West right now by, by points percentage, by, by pure points. I believe they're second worst in the West. I think the Sharks have actually jumped below them. I think after last night, let me, let me double check that. But regardless, they're, they're worse by points percentage, which, which is to me, the, the more critical thing as of right now, pure points doesn't matter as much as points percentage. Cause you have so such a huge disparity in games played. So the sharks currently at 16 points, the ducks at 17 ducks at 21 games played, whereas San Jose are at 18 uh, games played. Um, and, and so that that's kind of the ducks are last in point percentage. And Here's the thing. I mentioned this on yesterday's Patreon episode, um, but making up ground this year is going to be hard. Like the, the ducks with the way they have played the fact that, I mean, we haven't mentioned this yet. They're uh, they haven't won a game in six games. They are Oh, four and two in their last six games. Granted Oh, one and two this last week, but Oh, four and two in their last six games, they have put themselves in a hole. And the tough thing is they've played 21 out of 52 games. They are close. They are getting pretty close to the halfway mark of this season. And they are behind the eight ball. I mean, they are currently from a pure points perspective. They are, let me see, uh, six points. Yes. Six points out of a playoff spot as of right now. But Colorado is currently in fourth with 23 points in 18 games. Like I said, the Ducks have played two more or three more games than that. So, it's going to be tough to make up ground because every single game that the avalanche play, they're going to be playing a team that's ahead of the ducks in the standings by points percentage. So either the avalanche are going to get points or another team above the ducks are going to get points. And so no matter what someone ahead of the ducks is picking up points on this. So to make up that ground, you have to go on basically a a completely, uh, you cannot lose games at all. So as kind of, this is all looping back to a point, I swear. Um, Basically, the Ducks are in a tough spot right now, and just say it. It's they over. are, yeah, it's over. They, they, the likelihood of them making the playoffs 15% to me, right and now. that that feels high. That feels very high to Her me. Money I would, talk, by the way, I would put it at like five. No, I, I get what you're. I, that's coming from website. I would put it at maybe five percent. Like the likelihood of that happening is so low. So what are we doing here? What what are the Ducks doing here? Are are they? Are they really trying to win games from now on? Because I get it. Like Dallas Aikens, that's his mo. But so at some point, someone has to step in and say, Trevor Zegers is here for a reason. He's here because he's the future of the franchise. 
what are we doing here with him? Why is he not playing? What's going on here? Like, it's not as if he's bad defensively either. You watch him in the defensive zone and he's fine. He's like, a 19-year-old rookie. Like, he, there, will, he, there will be growing pains. Like, yeah. accept them. Like, Max Contois was brutal defensively last year. Is still not great. Yeah, he scores goals, but, like, and this team is so inconsistent in their evaluation. Yes, and, and so, kind of having said that, just play him. Just play him and play him a bunch. Why not? Like, what? Like you've lost the last six games in a row. What harm is going to come? Clearly, the the thought process of trying to protect him hasn't done any good for the lineup in terms of winning. It's lost them games. Yes. So maybe just stop overthinking it and play him. Like, yeah, it's not that hard. Stop overthinking it. Stop overdoing it. This guy is here for a reason. He has been. He he tore up the AHL and earned this call up with the way he played. Stop treating him with kid gloves. Like, what's the what was the purpose of putting him in the AHL to start the year? I mean, I mean if this once is you, this is like beyond kid gloves, though. Well, but once what what was the purpose of putting him in the AHL when it, the the at least the thought process there is you're going to give him the top minutes, allow him to develop, allow him to play against top competition, play in all situations. So, what was the purpose of putting him there if you're just going to give kid gloves or put kid gloves on when he comes up? Like yeah, I mean, you put like him there to earn gloves. the call up. Like he showed that he deserves this, and yet you're treated like it's just baffling. It's baffling. Well, this is like this is the timeline of all this. The Ducks say that they are treating Trevor Zegers's World Junior like he was in camp. He annihilates yeah. the World Junior, wins the gold medal, Historic wins tournament MVP, does everything you could possibly ask. Then. He gets to camp, gets screwed over because of the, the quarantine protocols, isn't able to get in much of a camp. They send him down to the AHL to start the season. Then what does he go and do? He puts up a bunch of points in the AHL, and he's still near the, the league lead. And I think he's yesterday he was still tied for the league lead in points, or he was maybe a point off. And he had played like at least three less games than a lot of the guys in that mix. So destroys the AHL. I mean, maybe he didn't dominate it to a crazy degree, but still, he's a rookie. Yeah. Then, yeah. like, you finally call him up. He's done beyond everything you could have asked of him, and you still are treating him like you're treating him like he's never played hockey. They, like, they're, like, Dallas Higgins talked about this, and it, it just it hurt my brain to hear this. He said that, yeah, the game got really choppy in the second period. This is in game one of the week, his first game trying to explain the benching. And, you know, of course, only Eric Stevens is the one to ask about this. And, you know, the game got really choppy, so I'm paraphrasing. We had to take him out. You know, we didn't want him to flow. It's like, no, the reason that he was out of his out of his flow is because you were putting him on the bench unnecessarily. And by the way, do you think Trevor Zegras has never played a choppy hockey game in his life? The guy's been playing hockey since he was like three. I'm pretty sure he can handle it. I'm pretty sure he'll be okay. It's it's just baffling that like it it's very close to disrespectful the way that they're that they've gone about this like it, it's it's inching towards it and look he's a rookie he he doesn't have much equity here it's not as if this is gonna like he's on an ELC he has no leverage but this is not setting a good precedent for how those future negotiations yeah. are gonna go like like this is you're making it much harder than it needs to be which. Maybe it's just the MO of this of this management group as a yeah. whole. Let's just make things harder than they need to be. Yeah, no, 100%. So I, I think to to put kind of a, a little bit of a bow on, on this Trevor Zegras talk, <laughs> just play him. Just, just play him. 
he's going to he's gonna have his learning he's gonna have his growing pains he's gonna have some games where he's not necessarily the best ever but that's part of the situation i mean the ducks need to realize as much as the talk was that this year was win now whatever uh the coaching staff whatever management whatever the players were saying that that i mean dallas akins had the quote i think when trevor zegos was sent down that it's like i'm not just gonna play players for for their development that we have to play our best players for winning now different things like that, which is what this mentality probably is with Harry's at. But I mean, here's the issue. That mentality that he has is put the ducks in the basement. Like Mm -hmm. the, what you're doing isn't working. Like at some point, change it up, play your players, play, play your best players. Like there, it's not that hard. Like, like I I know maybe we're making this a bit too simplistic on the whole, but this isn't, this it's isn't rocket. rocket this isn't rocket science. Like, play your best. Play your best players. Play your best lineup. Like stop getting giving yourself, shooting yourself in the foot by by forcing yourself to play Grant and Delorie and putting them in, in these high profile moments. I mean, I guarantee the logic partially is out. Like, what do we do without Grant uh, on the penalty kill? Because I mean, you look at the the four on three last night. They they took a timeout so that Getzloff could stay out there for the entirety of the penalty kill. And it's like, they probably think, well, if we don't have Grant, then that's basically our penalty kill the entire time. It's like, figure out a way to make it work. Have Danton Heinen take a face off. Yeah. Have Jack. So like, like work on face offs with them. Like, it's not that they're going to lose every one. Like you can find ways around, find ways to make it work. Like put guys out there, like play your best players. Yeah. It's not that hard. Well, also, I mean, this isn't just us saying this, like you had Craig Button talk about it. Who's oh yeah. A respected right. draft analyst. Talk about this to Eric Stevens after game one of the week, like let Trevor play. Um, we've seen it all season long from people around the hockey world, Timu Solani, Kevin Weeks, like, unless, uh, unless I'm missing something here, these are respected voices in the sport. Timu Solani is, his numbers hanging in the rafters of Honda center. So yeah, I, I think that they're, they're going about this all wrong. I, I legitimately don't think that they have much of an argument. Look, I am the, I think throughout the history of this show. If you've been a longtime listener, I do try to present what their rationale would be as much as possible. And you have done that on this show tonight. We're not just sitting here just spouting off opinions like this is based on an almost like an obsessive amount of time tracking this team and watching every game and and doing the research, looking at the stats, watching the, the video, reading what people are saying. Uh, and so for us to come to such a strong conclusion for people around the hockey world to come to this conclusion, maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe it's actually correct. Maybe we're more correct than the Ducks are on this. Um, so I think that that should be the end of the rant. Do you want to move on? Let me just, let, we'll move on after this. I, you mentioned okay. the Craig Button quote, and I think it, it it's a good quote to kind of end with on this. I think it's a good way to bookend it. He said, Trevor is a confident player with fantastic imagination and creativity. I think the most important thing is to let him be exactly who he is. Encourage him to make plays and be creative. If they do that, Trevor will produce. If they want him to be careful and be aware of his defensive responsibilities, they will get a shrunken version of Trevor. He's smart, he's competitive, and he's damn good without the puck. I really believe it's in the best interest of the Ducks to set him free to play the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, wh- where's the lie? Where's the lie there? And, I don't think I see no lies and it kind of it, that is in stark contrast with how the ducks have handled him over the, for these last three games for, for these last three months. True. I mean, for, that too. Forget, forget that too. the last three games. Just 
This entire process has been a joke. Um, it's been a farce. Okay, I, I'm getting angry here, so I think we should carry on before I really lose it. Um, oh, well, are you really going to, are you, is this really going to help you not lose it as we get into this next, next topic? I mean, th this is smaller potatoes. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, I think it helps that we also did a, a Patreon about this yesterday. So it's yeah. kind of already out of my system. So look, I, I can go over all the different rumors, but basically throughout the week, out of Vancouver media and even national media, it's been rumors have been swirling that the Ducks and the um, and the Canucks have been talking on a deal involving Jake Vertanen and Danton Heinen. And Elliot Freeman tweeted about this. Um, you know, different sources around Vancouver, like Thomas Drance, talking about it. Um, Elliot Tiefer randomly getting in on the Insider game yesterday, tweeting about how he can confirm that this is something that's going on. And then late last night, we got, you know, we saw Elliot, Elliot Freeman go on TV on Sportsnet, almost not quite proclaiming the deal dead because the financials couldn't be worked out. The reality is that there is a pretty stark difference in how much these two players are, are paid, at least this season, and Jake Furtanen has one more year on his deal. So there seems to be an impasse. If the deal ever does come to fruition, it will not be a one-for-one -one deal. Now, those are the facts. Is, am I missing anything here? Please tell me. No, I don't. I, I think maybe the only thing you're missing is the the money situation. It is a pure salary situation, That's, not a cap hit. I think hit. I said that, but well, yeah. But the the cap hit, the cap hit next year actually. Vertanen it's about is the actual not, money. Yes, Vertanen is less next year than actually Heinen probably would be. But I believe Vertanen's salary jumps to over three million next yes, year. Vertanen is paid one point seven million this year. He jumps up to above three next year, just above three. And Danton Heinen this year is at uh, like two point eight. 2.775 million. Okay. Um, and so this is a bizarre deal. Like, let me just come out and say that to start. This is just my view. Um, my view is that it's a bizarre deal. But here is where I think to give the, the listeners kind of every angle and to maybe try to allow you to come to your own conclusion. Jake Furtanen had a really good season last year, partially driven by shooting percentage and maybe not so much by an actual turnaround his game. Um, had a strong offensive year, but had been very poor in almost every facet of the game the two years prior. And this is kind of looking at some metrics like wins above replacement um, from top-down hockey. And then with Danton Heinen, had two excellent two-way seasons in Boston in 18-19 and, or sorry, 17-18, 18-19, had a very down season last year. You see how he's produced this year. And with Vertanen, there's some unease there in Vancouver. So Heinen is a very good defensive player and okay offensively, does chip in on the power play, um, but a good two-way player. I think a guy who does make teams better. With Jake Vertanen, he is a little better. He's he, I think he's a, you can, it's fair to say he's a little better than, uh, than Heinen offensively, at least for you know, the last the couple of years. Year, yeah. The last couple of years. But he's a huge negative defensively, doesn't really contribute to special teams, and just – you know, he's an okay, an okay passer, um, but you're kind of switching off weaknesses in this deal. And that's like a charitable view of it. But maybe for a team that's starved for offense like the Ducks, maybe you can talk yourself into the fact that Vertanen fills a need for the Ducks right now. That being said, Jake Vertanen has been 
awful this season and awful to the point where you start to think maybe that last season he just had was more of a mirage and that the two seasons prior tell the story, the, the true story. Danton Heinen is the other side of that coin. He had a, He's having a very strong season from an underlying perspective. He's one of the Ducks' very best play driving forwards. And maybe the production hasn't been there, but he still contributes to winning hockey. So for him, it's the other side of that. His last season where he struggled maybe wasn't actually him. And the previous two strong seasons in Boston tell the true story. So with all that in mind, with the fact that Heinen is a restricted free agent this summer and has arbitration rights, whereas Bertanen has one more year on his deal, where do you stand on this? Uh, it's a bad deal. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if this deal happened, I mean, realistically, it's not going to be a straight one for one, but it's going to be essentially some money being shed, I think, from uh, the Ducks perspective going there. Like, I, I think you and I can probably both agree that more likely than not, it it's going to be center. If the deal were to happen, which it sounds like it's kind of dead, if the deal were to happen, it would have been essentially a one for one deal. Mm-hmm. Um and so uh, with kind of things on the ex- on the the sides to make it work. And I mean, this is a I mean, this is just a standard Bob Murray trade. It's it's a shuffling of the deck chairs like this is no different than essentially. Um, I mean, it, it's Heinen for Richie. It's uh, it, it's it's Pedersen for Sprong. It's Sprong for Juice. It's all these trades that you can list it's off juice of on waivers. Like it's all of these moves that like. Sure, if you want to like look at them in depth, like some of them are good, some of them are bad. This is a bad one because I mean the Ducks are losing the better player. Heinen is a good defensive player and really actually I think does help out this roster and, and is one of actually the better players on this roster and just doesn't I guess maybe get the respect defensively he does from the coaching staff because he he doesn't play physically and actually kind of a small note there. I, I think that a big reason why the ducks are looking to make this deal. I mentioned this on last night on our Patreon episode yesterday, but uh, a big reason why I think this trade's happening and kind of give both perspectives and where the ducks are maybe coming from with this trade or this rumor or this perspective on the deal, whatever you want is that Rowney's hurt. It's possible he's out for the rest of the year. Who knows? Not don't want to speculate too much on that. There's no actual information. It could be a week. It could be two weeks. It could be the rest of the season seasons, 30, uh, 30 some odd games left. Um, maybe even less than that at this point. Uh, no, it's 36 games left um, or something like that. Regardless, the Ducks to be without him. They're, they're missing a fourth line winger. If they move Henrique, that, that's an open spot on that line. They're probably going to move Henrique. Jake Vertan's a guy that fills that role. They probably think that they need a guy that can fill that role, and they don't view Danton Heinen in the quote-unquote grinder type of mentality. If you look at hits, this is something that <laughs> I absolutely hate your that pet, I'm going to your this. Your pet theory. I, but... Jake Vertanen averages over the course of his career, two hits per game, Danton Heinen 0.6 hits per game. I think that they viewed Jake Vertanen as a better defensive player because he hits guys more. And so he's more physical plays that brand of hockey. And that's what they want for that fourth line. Whereas Danton Heinen is a smaller type of guy that doesn't necessarily play a physical type of hockey. And that is a re- the reason why they do not want him anymore. And they want a guy that can more so fill that role. It's awful, awful logic. It's an awful decision making, in my opinion. The value oh. is not the same between the two two of them, and it's just it, it's it's baffling. And so, I mean, it, on the whole, it it's a whatever deal. It, it's a very fringe deal. I don't think it's a whatever deal. Like well, it's a bad so, deal. It, it's it, a no, deal no, that makes no, it no. worse. So, so sorry. Let, let me rephrase it. It's a deal that has 
little consequence in sure, the grand scheme sure, of things. Sure. Okay. I, I think that that's a better way to put it. It's a negative value deal, no doubt, but it is a negative value deal that is not significantly but I, negative. I think, but I think going too far on that gives this team an out for making like a, a just an illogical trade. Can I just say something though? Sure. And this is, I'm sorry for the listeners who are listening on just audio, but all while Jake was talking just now, his cat, his wonderful black cat Salem was in the background staring into the camera and she let out two big old yawns while you were talking. And, and I just now, love that. And now she is being let out of the room by my wife, or maybe she wants to stay. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where she goes. The doors <laughs> I, I open up for her to she, leave. She's become the third amigo. She on was, the podcast. she was sleeping on the bed uh, for the majority of it. She kind of blends in with the, the blanket and the black being a black cat, but she, but she was at, she was back there the entire time being with all of my yelling, staying fast asleep. Yeah, her her presence on this show is is a good a good equalizer, a good kind of just hey, let's keep this let, let's stay level here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back back to the trade. I mean, but I, it, I did want to oh, I did want to add in a note because okay. I, I I think this is a delicious piece of information. It truly gets at just the the craziness of this time and age we live in with this team. The Ducks have talked so much about resetting the culture when it comes to penalty taking and how that's something Dallas Aikens talked about, how that's something that when he first got to Anaheim that had to be established about discipline and how it had been such an issue beforehand. Comparing the two players, Danton Heinen like basically doesn't take penalties. It, it almost it, It's a rare occurrence. This season in 17 games, he has six penalty minutes. And then the year before that, in the nine games he played with Anaheim, he had four penalty minutes, jumped up a bit, um, you know, when he was still in Boston. But Jake Vertanen, in terms of penalty minutes, he averages he averages over 40 penalty minutes a year. This year, he already has 26 penalty minutes in 19 games. And I think I misread on Heinen. I'm sorry. He has zero penalty minutes this year, had 10 all of last year in 60-plus games with the Bruins. And then had 16 and 16 back to back in 77 games. Like he basically doesn't take penalties, and Vertanen takes a bunch. So all that talk about the Ducks and having this new culture on penalty taking, uh, guess it just doesn't apply. I guess it's okay. We're gonna bring in a guy who loves to go to the penalty box. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Thought I'd throw that in there because I thought it was great. Yeah. Um. So overall, my my thoughts on this is. Overall, little consequence overall in terms negative of value, value deal. Negative value, but not significant cons or not one of significant consequence. The issue is, is this is more of the same for Bob Murray. This is the exact type of deal he's made. It's a it, deal it, without vision. Without exactly. Any, without any it, clear like it, just plan. It's a deal to to just make a deal. It's one where he can look back and say, "See, I'm trying. I, I'm trying to change the culture of the locker room. I, I'm doing these things. I'm adjusting things." When in reality, all he's doing is moving guys that he shouldn't be like moving guys within the age range that he probably shouldn't be moving. These are not the guys that should be moved. Bertanen is a little younger, one year, but but still, Heinen's twenty five. Like yeah. it, it's it's the same thing of trading Richie for for Heinen. It uh, maybe a year or two older, but it's it's the same concept of why are you moving a guy that's 22, yeah. 23? Like it, it's, it, it's just what, those are not the guys that should be moved in this situation. Like at the end of the day, you need to be looking to rebuild this roster. Like mm -hmm. that's what needs to happen. And so, I mean, there there's rumors floating that that may happen though. I mean, your, your boss over at the fourth period, 
David Pagnota put out a big report today. Yeah, so let's kind of end the pod on this. Um, I think we've talked a lot about different things, but this is, uh, yeah, what uh, what my boss at the fourth period, Dave Pagnota, put out today. That look, the Ducks are the Ducks are in a rough spot. And look, Bob Murray has been searching for more firepower. This is from the article since the off season, but there's just not an impact hockey trade out there, at least right now. Um, and and you can see that with the way that like the the Vertanen deal just can't really work. Um, and so right now, like there's kind of talk around the league that the way that the things are going in Anaheim, when do they, when do they finally hit that button? The button that we have been advocating them to hit for how many years now, two years reset, right? Actually go into this retool. And it does sound like maybe that's heating up. Maybe that like a deal involving a Ricard Raquel or a Jakob Silverberg, maybe even an, a Hampus Lindholm and Adam Henrique, that these things are maybe becoming possible. Teams listed that would be of interest or that are interested in Raquel, Boston Bruins, Pittsburgh Penguins, Toronto Maple Leafs, Edmonton Oilers. Um, now, Pagnota did bring up the fact that Hampus Lindholm is a guy who makes a lot of sense, and he's maybe the most tradable asset that Murray has if he ends up going this kind of overall route. Um Interesting. Like, there's not a whole lot of kind of set in stone stuff in this article, but you know, knowing Dave, yeah, we are in first name. I'm sorry. Impressive. It's, it's, it's Impressive. not a flex. I swear to God. Slight um, flex. Slight flex. But he doesn't just put stuff out there. Like, I know that there maybe some people have an impression of him about that, but he doesn't put stuff out there if it's not sourced. If there isn't some kind of backing to yeah. it. So there's there's movement we don't know yet where it will lead but like i feel like kind of like what we're seeing with nashville like the vultures are starting to circle a bit around the ducks and i think that's not a bad thing if you're anaheim like if you can just get on the same page as reality you could actually benefit from the situation your thoughts yeah i i think i mean I don't know how much I can really necessarily add because we've kind of been talking about this topic that they should be doing this for a while now. Well, I mean, yesterday on our Patreon, we did a full on how we would rebuild the Ducks. Yes, so but, but Hockey <laughs> Boy says in our Twitch chat saying the most frustrating thing is we all predicted this exact situation two years ago and wanted to start a rebuild. I mean, we, you and I have been talking about this two years ago when I mentioned that the Ducks should be looking to trade Jack Silverberg at the deadline. Yep. It, it all dates back to that when when that change when that change started to happen, the Ducks should have started looking then. Seventeen and, eighteen was was when it should have started. Yes, um, and and or so seventeen eighteen, and, and so I think at least there is some hope. I think for Ducks fans that maybe management has started to understand where this roster is at with the fact these rumors are swirling. I'm not gonna uh, hold my breath though. I want to see a trade happen before I actually judge it because i mean well, especially like henrik such a difficult player to move well and, and here's the thing is uh name me one actual like straight up rebuilding move over the last couple of years i can only really think of one maybe um, two maybe two why are these not coming to me i mean this flipping grant for picks count yeah that i'm, I'm counting that on the the peripheral buying then, out cory perry doesn't the, the totally caution trade Kasha trade is the one I'm somewhat considering because of but, taking bad money. 
Yeah, and like you can kind of tell Bacchus is not really in this team's plans. No, um, so, and so they took bad money for a first-round pick, which is a rebuilding type of move. But they still traded a, a guy in his 20s. Agreed, agreed, <laughs> like, agreed. Uh, yeah, and so. and I don't think trading Montour is necessarily a rebuilding move either because, I mean, he was a young player. They got Gooley back. They got Gooley in a first. Yeah. That became Braden Tracy. Yeah, which, you know, that trade is kind of up in the air because, I mean, Gooley, th- that trade kind of – <laughs> I mean, this is this is now a tangent, but the way that trade is gone kind of tells you why that trade happened in the first place. Because Montour is on the block again, like the the Sabers are done with him, and Gooley can't get into the lineup in Anaheim, which of course might not be a great indicator because of how bad they are building a lineup. And Braden Tracy is kind of turning into this guy who may or may not become an impact NHLer. So, like all the pieces involved here are actually not that optimal. Yeah, right. and and so the Ducks should be looking to move though at this point in time. He he, or they should be looking to move Ricardo Kell. They should be looking to move Jack Silver. They should be looking to move Adam and Reek. They should Lindholm. be looking looking to move Josh Mahara, Hampus Lindholm. They should definitely Josh, Josh Mahara. Sorry, Josh Manson. Sorry. Yes. Thank thank you. Careful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Did not mean Josh Mahara. Um, and they should be looking to move these guys, and they should be taking calls on every single player. There are two players on this entire roster that are untouchable. Or not even the Ducks roster, but two in the entire system that are untouchable to me. Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegers. Yep. Those are the only two that are untouchable. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think nobody else is... Even John Gibson is not untouchable. Like, Granted, the the trade would have to be astronomical for him to be moved, but I think you still are... Does he have to be? Yes. Well... (laughs) We had a pause there, which never happens. But I, I just think that with Gibson, like he's very good. He, and I think that you know, having seen some of the, you know, Clearside Analytics put out the private data this week just to kind of show how guys are looking, and Gibson does look a lot better there than in the public data, which kind of leads to, to suggest that he's not maybe as bad as we thought this season. But look, if you can get like a first and a really good prospect for him, maybe it's not the best value but it may still be a, a decent outcome, even if you maybe somewhat lose the trade. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Just coll- accumulate assets however you can do it. Am I, off, am I off base there? A little bit. I think moving Gibson has to be. I think, I think if you move Gibson, you have to get a massive return. I, I think you have to. Well, I, you, I just think you, you have to get at least one thing of, of high value. Yes. Like, so, I, I think if, uh, for instance, if you moved him to Colorado, you have to try to get Bowen Byron back. Like, you have to get something elite back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Like, I'm not but, saying, I'm not saying that I would accept a suboptimal return overall. I just mean, it doesn't have to be an absolute home run to yeah, validate a deal. Fair, fair. Yeah. You got to get one elite prospect back. But getting yeah. back to the point, the Ducks should, should be looking to this. I'll withhold judgment until they happen. But yeah, so having said all that, you want to get in some questions? Sure. So we're we're just going to go straight to our Twitch chat because we've had a lot to talk about. So for those of you watching on YouTube or uh, yes, we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. You can find us there if you want to subscribe to the videos. We are trying to make a big push for more subscribers there. So that's one way actually to, to really support the show completely free to you. Just hit that subscribe, subscribe button. Just click that button. Helps out a lot. Um, or watching or listening to the video on your favorite podcast services. We do a live stream of the show each and every time at twitch.tv slash crash the pond. 
Um, and if you want to help support the show, you can do it there for free. Also, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You have to hit, uh, hit that subscribe button after 30 days, just like Ginger Wolf did to resubscribe for 11 months. So thank you so much, Ginger thank Wolf, you. for that. Um, if you uh, do not uh, have that or uh, do not have the financial means to be able to do that right now, completely understand. But if you want to follow this show and hit that follow button, you will get notified anytime this show goes live. So uh, let's start with this question. This was one that our good friend Bonnie, who Bonnie, for anyone out there, is a bleeding heart type of fan. I love her absolutely to death uh, for that. And I love her for being a fan of that, this team in that way right now, because it is not easy. But she asked this question. What does it mean basically to be a Ducks fan? If you're rooting for these, if these guys are traded, basically um, I don't know what it means. She said, I don't know what it means to be a Ducks fan. If they trade everyone, but two players, what is left to kind of root for? If you, you basically trade everyone. Okay. So I have some quibbles with the specifics of that question, but I understand the thrust of it. What you're rooting for is that this team is committing to an actual plan, that they are moving forward in their life cycle. Because let's be honest, what like what argument is there left that this wave of the Ducks can be salvaged? They have shown beyond a shadow of a doubt that like they're just they're not there. And it's gonna be too hard to get a top talent on this team via trade without gutting your system. So the reason why you should root for this team to start moving on from certain players, you're not rooting because those guys are leaving because they have to pack their bags and go to a different place and have to, you know, uproot their, their homes. The, the reason you're rooting for, if you're a fan of this team is because they are actually committing to a better future, that they're actually trying to build through the draft, accumulate more picks, accumulate more prospects. And by doing that, eventually they will be in a much, and I mean, significantly better position than they are now. They're in a terrible position right now, but yeah, that can change. They're worse, they're worse than the West. And I think that yeah. kind of, I, I know, I think the other part that, that Bonnie's trying to, to say with this is with all the fans being willing to trade veterans, what quote unquote team then are you actually cheering for? Cause it's not the ducks you're necessarily. You're still a ducks fan. You're, you're no, a fan and, of this and, franchise. And yeah. she, and, and so I think that kind of, from my perspective, because I am still a Ducks fan in the way I, and I root for this team and I want them to be good. And I think I look at this team now and I look at where they're at and I look at the fact that they're lost in the West and I look at the decisions that they've made to get to this point. And I've seen how to get out of this. You can't just spend your way out of this. There's no way of doing it either. I've seen how teams have done it. And basically the teams that have done it the best, like the Maple Leafs, for instance, and I brought this up on last night's paper. LA Kings. <laughs> the LA Kings are getting there, but the Maple Leafs are a good example who are very competitive, very good right now. They've done it through the draft. They've done it through uh, trading guys off. They've done it through signing guys for the specific intent of trading. You're, you're rooting for the team long-term to make these moves. Yes, I know it's hard, but guys move in and out of lineups every single year. It's not an abnormal thing for guys to get moved, for rosters to get turned over, for, for teams to change significantly from year to year. Look at the Ducks in the from essentially 2013 through 2015. The, the team that the Ducks iced in the 2013 playoffs um, is significantly different than the 2015 playoffs, and they got better by making moves. They they got better. Granted, Bobby Ryan, they probably should have gotten something better back from, but you, instead of having Bobby Ryan, you had Jacob Silverberg the next year. You had uh, Kyle Palmieri on that team. You had these guys, and eventually they were moved out for other people, and, and rosters changed. They the 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 methodology changes 
And I think what I want as a fan is I understand that my team's going to be changing over the years. What I have this year is not going to be the same as next year is not going to be the same as the year after. What I do want to know is uh, how is the plan in place? How, what plan is there in place that's going to make this team good? Because that's what I want as a fan. I want to be able to enjoy games and I want the Ducks to be competitive. I want them to when they are and when they are competitive to be winning and, and have a chance to win a cup, not just be in a situation where they are in fourth place and competing for a playoff spot. I want it where, when they are competing, they are in first in the division, second in the division. They are putting themselves in the best chance ever to win the cup. And that is where I'm at as a fan. And I'm rooting for the Ducks to get to that point. I, the specific players, sure, I like these specific players. I like Ricard Raquel, no doubt. I like Campus Lindholm, no doubt. These are guys that I've watched grow and develop in the Ducks and watched their entire career so far, watched them get drafted. I, I remember being in my car driving home from an internship when Hampus Lindholm was drafted for the Ducks. And, and I was at the draft when Cam Fowler was drafted. Like I've seen these guys' careers uh, go through the entirety of it. But it's time to move on. It's time to turn over another leaf. That was 10, year, 10 years ago, over 10 years ago when all of that happened, Ten over 10 years ago for uh, Cam Fowler's draft. And it's time to turn the page on that. It's time to, to shift the Ducks into the next era. This is no longer the Cam Fowler era. This is no longer the Hampus Lindholm era. It's no longer the Ricard Raquel era. This page needs to be turned over. It's the Trevor Zegras era. Yep, I agree. So, all right, so let's get to this question. This is a good one for hot kind of transitioning. Hockey Boys asks, when can this team realistically be competitive again? I think they can be competitive within two to three years. Yeah. Like, yep. I, I don't think that this is going to take that long. They have good, very good prospects already. Jamie Drysdale is like close. I think he's leading the AHL in scoring or he's a point off. Trevor Zegras dominated the AHL as a teenager and he's looked good as an NHLer so far, they have guys who can, who are ready to step in. Like if they ever move on from Gibson, Lucas Dostal could be an, another great find in the draft from the ducks. They have other good prospects. They're probably going to get another great pick this year. They might get another great pick next year. So that's going to come and it's not going to take that long. I think when people think of a rebuild, they think you're going to be stuck in purgatory. And that's not what's going to happen if it's done the right way. Yeah. And I actually, I'm going to go bold right now. I think the Ducks could be competitive next year. Well, I don't I, know. I, I, I like, don't. No, but but hear me out. Hear me Define out. Define competitive. Because that's what they're trying to be right now. And they're not that. I agree. But for instance, we've well, talked. Okay. For, first off, you got to fire Dallas Sagans. Yes. Or, or just get Dallas Sagans to coach differently. You got to fire why. Bob Murray. Yep. Um, like I said, they could be competitive next year if all things go right. I don't they... disagree with that, but I think that that is the least likely scenario. I think Fair. two years, but, 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 you know, I think next season would be so much more watchable if you knew that even if they're struggling to win games, that the kids are getting opportunities, like real opportunities that, that like Trevor's egress isn't just there for show, um, that there's a plan in place that there's an actual philosophy that's being implemented that's not stuck in the 80s. So one more year, I think fans can do it. They've been through the last three. Um, so I like, anyway. I'm, I am, I think. I'm not I think ruling it out. Because hear me out. We we talked about um, how un, badly, poorly optimized this roster is right now. If you get in a coach that can optimize it better, you make some decent signings in the, the off season. You do things better. You put Trevor Zegers in a the big Ducks role. We'll have a ton of cap space this summer. 
they, they, there, there is a chance they could be competitive next year. And you add in a William Eklund to this roster. You add in maybe an Owen Power to this roster. You add in maybe a, a, a Luke Hughes. You add those guys into the system, it makes a huge jump to the system, and they could be ready to start pushing next year. I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree. So I, I think that realistically, they actually could be competitive next year with the correct mindset. Fair enough. So um, Fire Carlisle said, question, when does something happen? Whether it's a firing or a trade, I think a trade's more likely, but I feel like something's, I mean, I've said that for a while. Something's coming soon. I, I have no feel on that. I really don't. I mean, this team never seems to behave logically. <laughs> and so I think if we do see something happen, look, I think it's not impossible that Murray and Akins are both shown the door this season. I don't think that that's impossible. I think the likeliest scenario is that they finish out the season and Murray gets handed his walking papers at the end of the season at, once everything's done. I think that that's the likeliest thing. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I just don't see anyone on like I don't see anyone in charge right now being back next year. And if they are, then I have then then I don't know what the hope is. I don't know where you draw the hope if you bring all these people back. Yeah. All right. So we're getting a little bit long here. So let's hit two more questions. Then we'll get out of here. Um, so Ginger Wolf asked question. Are there any players you have seen or you have, uh, you see returning after, uh, they have been traded away. So let's just say for instance, the ducks trade away a guy. I mean, I guess Ryan issue, gets left. Yeah. Ryan gets off would be the only one if they, if that happened, I mean, the main issue is the ducks. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of UFAs on this roster. I mean, maybe they look at the deadline to flip Ben Hudden, Yanni Hockenpah for, I don't know, fifth or sixth round picks. I mean, it's not, yeah. I mean, that's not a bad thing to do. They should, they should actually well, actively be Rowney, who, but depending on his health status. Yes. They, they should David actively. Backus. Yes. David Backus might actually get you something at the deadline. Cause yeah. you, here's the thing. The ducks can re retain on top of the, the dish or the, the current retention the pro rated. Yeah. So they're, they're getting half retained by Boston. They can retain, I think half on top of that. So they, someone could get David back for essentially 1.25 mil. Like yeah. David Backus at 1.25 could get you like a fourth round pick. Yeah. For a team that's competing, going for a cup of veteran leadership. I, I mean, honestly, they should do that because I mean, I think that's good by David Backus allows him to hunt a cup. It allows him to play. Because what? David Backus doesn't have a cup yet, right? Nope. Yeah, because he wasn't on the Boston team that won. St. Louis never won. I mean, yeah. I, well, the Ducks, St. Louis the Ducks won after he left. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry. Um. So, yeah, they, they should look to do that. So, let's go to this, this final question. Uh, Dan's the man one said, what is the ideal line for Trevor Zegras to be on right now? If you had to put together the ideal line for Zegras, what is it? I actually think the line he was on at the end of the last game, like Henrique Silverberg is a good line for him. I mean, ideally he would be a center to me. Ideally I'd want him with Ricard Raquel. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if, if you did Zegras, um, Henrique Raquel, I mean, here's one that I would be curious to see, uh, Raquel Zegras Silverberg, like that might be the ideal line. You have Zegras between those two and just let it fly. Let it, let it roll. See what happens. Um, because you have two guys who love to put the puck on net. You know, Raquel is a volume shooter and has quality and can make plays. I mean, half of the issue with Zegras in the games we've seen is that guys just can't keep up with them sometimes. 
they're not ready for his passes because they didn't they don't think that someone can hit them in that spot um, with that amount of coverage. So I would love, and I, I do agree with your point because we've seen Zegras find Raquel on the power play. And if given time to gel, I do think that they could be a potent combination. And Silverberg does help mitigate some of Zegras's uh, growing pains defensively. So that would be an awesome line. I just want to see Zegras at center. Maybe I know that's a huge ask. They're ne- probably not going to do it this season, but I, I think he looks worse at wing. He looks great at wing, but he looks worse comparatively because he has less room to work with. Like they're grooming him to be a winger when he's a center, which is another thing I don't understand. He's a guy who thrives in open ice, who thrives with options and who can create options for himself. So why are you trying to, you know, force a square peg into the round hole? doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. So, I mean, yeah, put him at center, play him, play him as play him like a, a second liner at this point in time, a third liner. You don't have to play him top minutes, but play him, play him and let him develop. I mean, at this point in time, what, Make what else season about the development? Yeah. Like th- for whatever reason, Dallas Akins has really rooted himself in that thought process of this season's not about development. This season is about winning and all this different type of stuff. It hasn't though. They, they are the worst team in the West at, by, by points percentage. They are currently, let me look right now, but in the league, they are currently, uh, let's see, fifth worst by points percentage in the league right now. Uh, the only teams worse than them are Buffalo, Vancouver, Detroit, Ottawa. So not exactly very high uh, high standard of teams that they are, they're sitting with there. So let the kids play. Let Zegers play. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? <laughs> you still lose games. That's what yeah. they're doing right now. Yeah, like, I, the, I agree. The, the best case scenario, you start winning games and you look better for it. Yeah, and I'm just kind of scrolling through our chat a little bit, and I think some things Bonnie is saying is that, you know, part of what we saw with the Carlson Theodore quote is that, you know, you can get burned if you show guys that you don't value them. And so going scorched earth on this team would kind of bring more of that your way. But that might just be a, first off, A, that might just be a cost of doing business here. Like the Ducks are going to have to let go of guys, but also B, I'm not advocating to tear this thing down to the very bone. I don't think it's healthy to just completely strip your locker room of every respected voice there is. Like there, like for example, Cam Fowler, I think he's untradeable because of his contract or close to untradeable. You can still keep him around and maybe make him yeah. captain. Um, yep. yep. Jakob Silverberg, like one of Silverberg or Henrik is going to be hard to move. Keep one of them around and just have them be the voice. Um, But guys like Raquel, Lindholm, Manson, whose contracts are just so tradable, you kind of just, you owe it to yourself as a franchise to cash in on that because that is your path forward. It's, it's a, it's just something that we've seen throughout the NHL. No, it is not a guarantee of, of a cup, but it is a guarantee of moving things ahead. And that is what the ducks should do. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Real quick on that note about Cam Fowler, we're going to need to talk about the expansion draft a fair amount more moving forward. Your I'm starting, topic. I, I love the expansion draft. It It's so fun. Um, I'm starting to get to the opinion that the Ducks, I mean, depending on who's managing this roster, because I think it should be someone outside of Bob Murray managing the roster by then, the Ducks should not protect Cam Fowler at this point in time. No, because, dangle. well, not only dangle, but I doubt Seattle would take him because of his contract. And so it's essentially you get a fourth protection spot as a result. Yeah. Like why why essentially his no trade clause, his contract, his contract acts as him being protected. Even why would anyone want that contract? 
Yeah. Like, like what, what has he shown? I don't care about the micro stats at this point. Like okay. I love Cam Fowler. He's one of my favorite ducks. Like I want it. I would you like have a Jersey. To, yeah, I do. Um, and no, the ducks do not have to protect him. The ducks do not actually have to protect anyone because no one on the roster has a full no move clause besides gets but gets is a free UFA at the summer. So they don't have to protect him either. Yeah. And, and technically Ryan Kessler's injured or not technically Ryan Kessler's injured. Technically he has a no move clause, but, uh, I think that's not be not still one next summer, so they don't have to protect him. I think what you meant to say there is Ryan Kessler is still technically on this team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, he does not have to. Cam Fowler does not have to waive to be exposed. He has a no trade clause, not a no move clause. Okay, I think if there's anything we haven't talked about, it's just too bad. We're two hours in. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's where you're going with it. Is there anything left? Is there any possible thing left? Um, uh, Jamie Drysdale should be on the Ducks by the end of the season. Yeah, Go on there. He's, he's been great. He's been yep. great. Yep. Um, okay, let's wrap this thing up. Um, I think that we covered a lot of ground here. A lot happened in the last week. I do want to say this before I get through the usual plugs. Thank you to everybody who stuck with us this season. Like this has been a very trying season for a lot of people watching this team, covering this team, sticking with this team. And so to keep listening, to keep hearing us breaking this thing down as best as we can. You know, if I were a fan of this team or when I'm a fan of a team where things are going to crap, it makes it harder to keep listening in, right? And so for the people who are sticking with us, I I truly Truly yeah, do and, appreciate it. And, and our streams are growing. Everything's kind of been growing. Yeah, like you guys have end. shown that you are still willing to stick with us in a big way. And and I mean, our Patreon is greater now, and we'll get into our Patreon a little bit, but it, it's greater now than it's ever been. Um, the support we've gotten there is insane. And so just huge thank you. Huge, huge thank you. Um, if you do want to support our show, if you aren't already, here's a few ways that you can. Uh, Patreon.com slash Crash the Pond is the biggest one. Three tiers for monthly pledges. $1 a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord chat, which is truly just a beauty of a chat. You know, we've got diehard Ducks fans in there. We've got a great community of people that are just there to talk Ducks. Uh, we do get some good banter in there, and it's a wholesome place for you to just connect with other people who love and watch this team. I think it's a great thing. For $5 a month, you also get access to not only the chat, but you also get two bonus episodes a month. And so yesterday, Jake and I did a, a deep dive for our second bonus episode of the month on the Heinen trade situation. More detail, I think, than we went into today. Um, we also did how we would rebuild the team. And we actually got really specific on it. Yeah. We also talked about... J Jake explained to me what WandaVision is. I, I, I convinced Felix to do a deep dive and watch all of the movies in the MCU. I... Yes, let's go with that. Let's you, go with that. You you said that. You said that. Maybe I did say that. Who knows? <laughs> it, it, it is recorded, so we can go check the tapes. Um, so that's for $5 a month. You get hockey. Mm -hmm. You get some, some banter. If you enjoy that aspect, the silliness of this show, you get a lot more of that on the Patreon pod. It's Felix, a lot more unfiltered. Is Felix, what I would say. Felix vented about not being able to get computer pieces. The Bitcoin miners are just screwing me over. That was the big <laughs> point at the very end. Um, and then for $15 a month, yes, it is a big jump, but I do think you get a tremendous amount of value for it as a fan of this team, access to everything that we just talked about, but you also get access to two live watch alongs that we do during the month. We try to 
really line up with everybody's schedule. A game, two Ducks games during the month where Jake and I do the live commentary, essentially give you an alternate feed as opposed to the broadcasters of either the Ducks or the away team. We're the ones breaking it down. Uh, we give you more stats during the game. We look more at matchups, deployment, kind of everything that maybe you don't get from your traditional broadcast. You know, Sorry, there's less face-off talk. I, I do apologize for that. All our face-off fans out there. Um, but, but that's for 15 bucks a month. And I do think that when you do that, you're helping us out a ton, but you're actually getting, I think your, your enjoyment of this team, the coverage is a lot more well-rounded. Now, of course, if money's tight, Hey, that's absolutely totally understandable. We do live in tough times. Um, here's a great way you can do it. Just go to Apple podcasts, type in the name of our podcast, crash the pond, leave a five-star rating and a review. And we have a new great one this week that I don't think we got a chance to read last week. No, I do want to mention though, that we actually had the, the not the, the review we had last week actually got deleted and they did the same review, but added uh, a quote <laughs> at the end. Yes. And so you want to read that one and I'll read the Logan one. Yeah. So this is from uh not explicit name. It's an awesome podcast, five stars. It's nice to have a ducks podcast that keeps it real keep fighting the good fight and then had a quote, which I think is a quote that you had. This is a quote of you. Wait, wait, you can said. you repeat that? Sorry. I was looking at something. The, no, this is a quote from you. I believe says your wife does not lo love you as much as the ducks love Bob Murray. No, that was Elliot Friedman said that. Oh, El Oh yes. Remember that yeah. last year at the trade deadline? That's right. That's right. Or another, no, it was the duck. Another, it was another flagship yeah. moment in this yeah, 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 franchise's yeah, yeah, yeah. history. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Again, I, lo I love the dedication there. Uh, it was Josh Manson was the quote last year. That was what it was. As yes. much as the Ducks love Josh Manson. Yes, exactly. There we go. Okay, let's get into this review, though. This one is from Logan M. 1991, which I believe is Jake's birth year. Could be wrong about that. You are um, correct. <laughs> love your work, guys. Uh, this is from Logan in Australia. Who I believe... Logan, uh, Logan sub to the Patreon in the last, I think, week or two. So thank you so much, Logan. Thanks, if Logan. This, if this is the same Logan, I'm assuming it is because uh, he's also a viewer on YouTube and actually comments on some other stuff on Facebook also. So thank you, Logan. I see you. Yeah, we see you in this review, definitely. This is my second season. This is Logan talking. This is my second season listening. And I look forward to each show as much as I look forward to each Ducks game. Jake and Felix work great together. And a lot of the time, offer different opinion, which sets for some great debate. At the end of it all, I love that the guys look at things from an evidence-based analytics point of view, which gives me a better understanding of what's going on. So I'm not just relying on my eye test each game. Crash the Pond is a big part of my weekly hockey fix from Australia. I love to hear that because, to be honest, that is what we try to do on this show. Give you another mm -hmm. way of looking at it. Give you a different understanding of the game that maybe is not readily apparent. And so Logan, that, that really hits home for me. Thank you very much. Yes. That, for that. Like, that is exactly what we're trying to accomplish with this show. Yeah. Like, like you spelled it out there perfectly. Yeah. Um, so that's at Apple podcasts. Um, you can also check us out on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe there. Um, you can also check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Make sure. So, I mean, if you can, Jake will upload the, the Twitch streams there so he can, you can see the video, you can see our pretty quote unquote faces. You can uh, see Salem. You can see Salem. That is the pitch. That is the pitch right there for the YouTube channel. You can see Salem. Come on. You can see Salem yawning while Jake rants. <laughs> I think it's the best. Um, so that's at youtube.com slash crash the pond. 
And um, a couple of other things that I would recommend. Our actual website, crashthepond.com. Get excited here, folks, because we've got some merch. And look, I know everybody does this nowadays. But let me tell you, our merch is the best merch. We've got t-shirts. We've got hoodies with our beautiful Crash the Pond logo that has the arches of Honda Center with hockey sticks, palm trees. We've got t-shirts in white with the eggplant and jade logo also in black. And we've got the orange and black logo, different versions, because we, unlike the Ducks, actually believe that the eggplant and jade has a place in the overall branding of this team. Believe it or not, I think that that's something that fans want. Um, we've also got hoodies for you, gray, white, black, with the eggplant and jade, with the orange and black logos. Um, so that's at crashthepond.com shop. After every Ducks game and or series, um, so if it's one game, uh, a one game set or a series, we will have five takeaways up after each of those uh, from CJ, Jake, and myself looking at different things from that, whether it's stats, matchups, video, whatever it is, we'll get it in there. I think it does add some value. We've also got some great recaps after every game from our awesome uh, staff there. So that's at crashthepond.com. Check out Crash the Pond on Twitter at Crash the Pond. Crash the Pond is also on Facebook. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. Make sure to follow him. And I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. So, Jake, I think that's going to uh, do it. Yeah, I just want to say Dan Grimshaw during all this resub for eight months. So thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. And with that, thank you, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us. Let's see what the next week brings. It can't get any worse, right? There's just yeah. no way. There's no yep. possible way it can get worse uh, unless the Jake Bertanen trade goes through. All right, folks. Oh. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.